Tut Manor. Hello, welcome to the Tut Manor podcast. What are we doing today? It's a special episode today. We've got another guest on, and it's been a while since we had a guest on, but let's start with the usuals. Who have we got? We've got Jack. How's it going, Jack? Uh, yeah, it's going all right. Obviously, last night's announcements dampened, well, I was about to say dampened the mood, but after yesterday's uh, continued fun afternoon watching Oxford United, perhaps uh, it wasn't such a dampener. Hmm. That's a nice positive start. John, how are you? <laughs> so, so, I think we'll make this pod upbeat, thankfully hopeful, by the guests we've got on as well. But um, yeah, everything is a bit miserable across the piece, isn't it? Anyway. Yeah, and uh, Connor. Come on, Connor. Lift us up. <sighs> I'm sorry, I just can't. <laughs> oh. I'm just... Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm looking forward, to be honest with you, James, I was looking forward to just hearing your cheerful voice. That would cheer me up. But I think some of the topics we might discuss today might just bring me back down to earth again. But uh, hey, okay. I mean, Hey-o. right. So we've got a uh, former Oxford United fullback and esteemed, well, now esteemed broadcaster Steve Stevie Kenneborough on the pod. Stevie, how is it going? Ah, it's going well, thank you very much. I'm not sure about esteemed. I think um, winging it <laughs> half the time is probably more on where we're, where we're going, but. Yeah, it's good fun. It's good fun. It's um, it's good to it's good to kind of just talk about football. To be honest, yeah, you're you're you are a familiar voice now, though, to the to the Oxford United faithful. Um, how how has lockdown life generally been for you? I know it's been what six or so months. Have you have you kind of got a new hobby in that time? No, well, I've got two young kids, uh, two and five, so that has kept me very busy. Um, <laughs> Having to run after them, and especially when the schools were off and we had no childcare, I was pretty much full-time dad uh, while my wife was working. So, yeah, life for us hasn't changed too much, if I'm being honest, because we don't really do much anyway. So it's, <laughs> it's football and family for me, so nothing's changed nice, in, in, nice. That, in that way. Do you know what? I've got to ask you because I usually, I'm not the most creative of hosts and I often just resort to asking what the guys have had for dinner, but... Generally, Stevie, what 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 is your top notch dinner if you had to pick one? Oh, top notch desert island style. You've got one meal to have for the rest of eternity. Oh, what is it? I tell you, I like a mince and tatties. A mince and tatties is right up there. Minced potatoes, bit of bit of carrot in there, bit of um, turnip. Absolutely magnificent. <laughs> I think I think that would I would cheat. It would be difficult to turn that down on a desert island. Nips and tatties. Nips. That's like that's what you get with haggis, isn't it? Generally, yeah, haggis is all right as well. But it's not, not, not my go-to, the but it's it's not the worst. Nips. <laughs> oh no, that's taking it too far. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> what I bro. We we just want to say like, this is um obviously on the BBC. You know, you you hold back. This is a place where you can really go for it. You know, we really want to know what you really think. <laughs> <laughs> See, um, uh, I thought I'd. I thought I'd start with the dinner chat, just so we've got that kind of, you know, the differential from the the BBC Oxford straight in. Oh, absolutely! Well, you've got to give me what's your guys then? What's your go-to? Oh, do you know what? I, I, I'm 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 a keen fan of a toad in the hole, personally. Oh, with a bit of onion yeah, like gravy. That. Yeah. I'll rate yeah. that, James. Rate that. Thanks. Cheers, Connor. What about you? I think I'm. I think I'm. To be honest with you, I'm a Sunday roast kind of guy. I've just had. Just had a Sunday roast now, and it was absolutely fantastic. Nice. What what meat so, are we talking? Uh, I had beef today. Okay. Fantastic. Good. 
We'll ignore the other two because we'll be here for like 35 minutes. Or Ouch. Anyway, <laughs> what, we do, what we're doing today, um, we'll get the, the disclaimer in early. There's going to be a bit of moaning and um, on the pod today, but I think that's come, people probably tuning in are probably going to come to expect that. But it'll probably be constructive moaning, which is how I'd like to phrase it. But um, yeah, anyway, so we'll obviously reflect on Charlton and Fleetwood. Um, we'll go back through what's happened across League One. Stevie, we're going to have a bit of a this is your life type section with a bit of a sort of a quiz mixed in there. Hopefully that's not too um, terrifying for yourself. I love a quiz. <laughs> and uh, I think that's probably about it. But um, on to a bit of news to start. Um, John... Just to get your views on this quickly, like the Swind- we haven't had a pod since the, um, I think on the last pod we were previewing the Swindon game. And then it was on, then it was off, then it was on, then it was off. KR said a few words um, about kind of putting our stance forward, so suggesting kind of, you know, we'd put the under 18s out if we had to. And a lot of his kind of focus was put towards Swindon as a club, much like, I think the crew situation was obviously a bit different. But what, what are your general thoughts on that in the in the for, well from my perspective anyway I was kind of thinking it's it's more on the EFL um putting the rules and regulations in place rather than putting the onus on the the opposition that we're actually playing but what are you what are you thinking yeah I thought KR treaded the line with some not not aggressive not quite the right word but quite sort of pointed language and I think he it was probably bound up in how frustrated he was with the crew situation as well but the EFL is the ones who've got to give the clear guidance on this. And interestingly, I had a quick look at the Swindon advertiser, which of a powerhouse of media that it is. Mm-hmm. And um, they were saying that they their headline was EFL calls off the game, this, this, the Oxford Swindon game. But then in the article, talk about how Swindon requested the game to be, to be called off. Um, so it does seem like there's a bit of, yeah, as you say, clubs are doing things at their own discretion. There's no consistency. Um, I was just, enraged all of Friday and then gutted Saturday morning. Um, but it just seems to be that this there's an easy route out for some teams to not play games and then the testing consistency doesn't help either. Um, it's just an absolute mess. Yeah. And Stevie, I've heard you talk about this at length on some of the kind of wasn't it the game show um, episodes and that type of thing. But what, what's your general thoughts on this? It feels like on the back of the EFL statement coming out yesterday where they've said you know, obviously the national lockdown's been announced and they've said we've got fantastic kind of rules and regulations in place. Professional sport's going to be ongoing. Do they have fantastic rules and regulations in place? I think what they've what they've tried to do is they've tried to get all the games on. And when you look deeper into the Swindon situation, what it looks like's happened is the EFL have pushed and pushed and says, you need to play the game, you need to play the game. The Swindon chairman is then whether he's got connections or whether he knows somebody or whatever he's done, but he's managed to get Public Health England to turn round to the AFL and say, no, no, you can't be playing that because it's, a, it's a, a health issue. And then Public Health England have lent on the AFL and the AFL have said, OK, there'll be no uh, implications if you do call the game off. And then all of a sudden, oh, yep, game's off. And I think that's probably yeah. what's happened at Swindon we're always saying, oh, yeah, we'll play the game because we don't want it to be docked points. We don't want to just give the points away. You know, it was looking all rosy on the front, but underneath the chairman's worked his damnedest 
to get Public Health England to, to lean on the EFL. And when that happens, the EFL are powerless. They've got nothing else they can do because if they then go and play the game, somebody gets the virus, it lands at their door. And that's why they've had to then just go, no, okay, the, the game's off. But I think as a general rule, they're trying their damnedest to get the games on. Uh, even the crew game, I think, was going down to the wire because the EFL were trying to get the game on until yeah. they kind of realised there was somebody sitting <laughs> 20 yards away from everybody with a virus. Um, <laughs> so I, I do think their general rule is get the games played. For sure. Um, I don't want to spend the whole episode talking about testing and stuff, so we're gonna I'm going to move on from that now, but it, it's easy to get sucked into it. A bit of a light, a nice light touch thing is on the last episode of the pod, I was really struggling to say McGuane's name. And I went through various different options of how to pronounce it from McGuin, McGuin, and various other things. And then I eventually kind of settled on McGuane. But Tim Walker, I have to give the guy a shout out because he came out, he kind of channeled his inner Beyonce to come out with a, a song as to how to pronounce his name properly. So I'm not going to sing it. Um, <laughs> Please do. I mean, it was uh, say my name, say my name. It isn't pronounced Gouin. It doesn't rhyme with the Wuhan, which is top- <laughs> topical. It actually rhymes with Wayne. And to be fair to the guy, it has helped me because I just think of Wayne now whenever I need to say McGuane and I'm there. So thank you, Tim Walker. He gets many a shout out from our from the other pod. I was going to say our sister pod there, but that's definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to cause some beef now, James. Oh, no, it's a shame yeah. he's been dropped. The beef has been not, so. hasn't been able to play. <laughs> I know. But um, cheers, Tim, because I was really struggling with that, and I'm glad that anyone listening has has kind of helped me out. Right, let's start. Let's let's get on to the positivity, I guess. Charlton and um, Fleetwood. <laughs> um, so Charlton. I was watching this with Ben. We were on um, just what you know on Zoom or whatever, watching it together and shouting at each other in rage as we were watching the game. But a really predictable kind of performance, I felt. And on the back of Gillingham and Fleetwood, uh, obviously both. Um, well, Fleetwood's obviously just come, but positive start to the game. We didn't make it count. Um, the thing that was really frustrating is first 20 minutes. Stevie, did you watch this game out of interest? Yeah, I watched both games. Yeah, because it felt like we started the game so positively. And to go, I know, like, obviously there's no one in the crowd. Uh, there's no one in the ground. But to go to Charlton and take the game to them like we did, I think um, Shadipo, we're calling him Shodders, by the way. So if you, if you get confused as to why we're saying that, we're calling him Shodders for now. But um, he had a really positive start. Even... Anthony Ford was kind of making deep runs and causing them problems. And it felt like first 20, 25 minutes, we were causing them all sorts of problems. But we were saying, me and Ben were saying at the time, obviously Ben's not on today, but you know, we, if we don't take our chances, we're going to get punished. And sure enough, a couple of defensive lapses and it all fell away. But could you see that coming as well? Yeah, it's all about kind of huff and puff and not really blow the house down at the minute, isn't it? It's, you know, like... It, we don't seem to be putting teams under a lot of pressure, even when we're putting them under pressure, if that makes sense. like We're not getting enough bodies into the box or we're causing a calamity in there or we're, you know, we're, we're, we're moving the ball sideways quite nicely and, and not really kinda doing anything with it. And then all of a sudden, one turn, one pass, go, and you're 1-0 down and you're kind of looking at it going, are you joking? Like, come on. And it, yeah. it, it, it seems to be like that just kind of, all the time at the minute. We're not leaving a glove on MD. We're not 
kind of high pressing. We're kind of stuck in between. Do we go and try and get the ball, or do we just sit here? And then when we've got possession, is, is Taylor getting left up the top, kind of on his own too much? Probably. Is he getting any runs, you know, from anybody? I've been really disappointed with James Henry, to be honest. I'm glad you said that because I always, it's like blasphemy saying that, and I, I keep I keep saying the same thing. I know obviously we'll get onto the Fleetwood game as well, but James Henry, we all know the quality that the man has got, um, and I think that's where the frustration kind of builds from in a way. But Jack, did you manage to watch any of the Charlton game back, and did you see that first goal where I think I forget who the guy was. I think it was, uh, he had a it's shinny Shinny's, or something. Yeah, yeah, Andrew Shinny. I played yeah, with Andrew him just for 10 years. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's it. I remember Nick Harris actually referenced that you, you knew the guy. And he, he, he got the second as well, didn't he? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so he picked the ball up in the middle of the pitch. Um, he managed to, it was, a, it was a neat turn to be fair, but Claire got absolutely sucked into the ball, like middle of the park. And then um, he left, I think it was Washington or whatever, who got... He was just completely free on the left side of the box and just managed to drill under under Eastwood. But Jack, it was all just a little bit too easy and again, a bit predictable. Teams seem to have to work not very hard to create those openings compared to what we have to do. Exactly. And I think Steve has just summed it up pretty well that, you know, we play a lot of the ball about ourselves, but we never look threatening. Yet teams don't have to work at all. And it's the same with the two Fleetwood goals yesterday that we'll go on to discuss. It just seems so easy to score against us. Yet, you know, we, we get a throw in down one side and we'll walk, work it back across the back four and back again and then lose the ball. Whereas, using Fleetwood's goals as an example, one throw in after 40 seconds and the ball's in the back of the net. Um, but we've seen, we have seen this before over the past couple of seasons when we have bad spells, i.e. bad results. It just seems so easy to score against us, yet we could huff and puff for three games, four games played on one night and still not score. And it it's becoming a yeah. trend and that's the concern. It's weird. And Connor, going, like the second goal obviously mm. was the free kick and Eastwood kind of becomes a hologram, I think we were saying in a way. And <laughs> um, Shinny just kind of, t- it's not even in the most threatening of positions and he just drills it towards where Eastwood has stood and it just goes through the guy. But yeah, we we get this game over, isn't it? Before half time, in a way. Yeah, I mean the the first goal kind of knocked the stuffing out of us as it is because you know like we've already said I think in the first fifteen twenty minutes of the game we actually played really well and it was a good start from us. But I think the the second goal definitely knocked the stuffing out of us in terms of going in at half time two 0 down. I mean if you analyze that free kick, I mean Eastwood is Eastwood's positioning initially is. You know, perfectly acceptable for where the ball ends up going. But I think Eastwood, if you watch the, watch yeah. it back, Eastwood takes a little step to his right just as the bloke kicks it, and then he's kind of yeah, off on the wrong. He's on the wrong foot, um, trying to get back across. And then, like you say, just kind of like a hologram. Yeah, like literally just goes straight through him almost. Um, it's it's one of those goals that I think a lot of a lot of us who watched it would have gone, you know, would have sworn at the telly and gone, you know, I could have saved that. Or what are you doing? Um, I think it was it's a frustrating one to to, to concede. Um, again, it's another one of those individual based errors. I think that's just and that's just cost us for sure. And Stevie, just to get a bit of insight from kind of what it's like in the dressing room. But when you've got a keeper making mistakes like that, um, 
he, I, I guess Eastwood has been one of those players that ha- he's made mistakes in the past and seems to just ride it and get on with things. It doesn't seem to impact him too much. But Stevens had a decent preseason. We put some, we put like a poll out there. Obviously, it was a timely poll at the time where he made the mistake to be like, is Eastwood still in credit? And we've used that kind of phrase before because obviously he's he's kind of pulled us out of really tough situations in the past. And it was like 95-ish percent no, he's not in credit anymore. But what do, 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 does it really impact the team when you see that type of thing happening? It, it can do. I mean, what, what you've got to always bear in mind is the person sitting on the bench is always the best player in the world. And you've you've got Steven sitting there who's done okay um, in the games that he's played in, but been under absolutely no pressure whatsoever. And the big the big kind of argument you can have, or the big question you can you can say is if you take Eastwood out of the league games now. I know we've got a couple of cup games coming up that, that you can, but if you take him out of the league games now, and you put Stevens in, and Stevens doesn't set the world on fire. What do you do then? Because you can't put Eastwood back in because you've yeah. absolutely blown his confidence to bits. So you've got to you've you've got to be quite clever as the manager, and you can't just your number one goalkeeper is your number one goalkeeper, and you've got to stick with them. And the minute you decide that you're going to drop them, and and that point you've kind of said right, that's you finished at the football club. Whereas if Stevens comes in for these couple of cup games and does well, you can stick with them. And you can, yeah. you can say, actually, we're just going to stick Stevens in for another few games. And if Stevens doesn't have a great couple of games, there's no harm bringing him out and Eastwood going back in. So it's just about it's about timing it right. About the, the number one goalkeeper is a really difficult one to do. It's not like outfield players. And you've just got to be careful with how you do it because you can shatter a, you can shatter a relationship, a confidence. And once you've done that, there's no going back. And what we've got to remember is... Where, you know, you've, you've got players under contract. You can't just go and get rid of a goalkeeper in January. So, yeah, there is a bit of a game to play with it. Um, is he still in credit? Oh, I think he's, he's he's done really well, but he has gone through a patchy spell, and he's you know it's been continuing now for a few months. And he just got to he's got to he's got to be more reliable because as a defender, if your goalkeeper behind you is not reliable, you do struggle. Because when I had when I had Ryan Clark playing behind me, I knew that I could allow shots coming in from twenty five yards because I know he'd save them. Yeah, well, I would position yeah. myself to allow players to hit shots from that area because you'd kind of go, well, Clark, he'll save it, so it's not a problem. You know, but when you've got a goalkeeper, you're kind of going, oh, is he going to save this? You cannot, you cannot, you defend differently, if that makes sense. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's kind of the, that's kind of from a defensive point of view and a manager's point of view about a goalkeeper. And, and John, I guess there's more, anytime anyone makes a mistake at the moment, the scrutiny is just all over the all over them, isn't it? Especially on social media, given there's no one in the stands to be able to kind of vent there and then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that Eastwood one was was a bad one, and I don't think even anyone's tried to sort of deflect it away. But as Steve has just been saying, our de- well, to me, our defence seems to be very much for individuals who are sort of looking at their own games and trying to look forward. The last thing they need surely is to be looking backwards and going, what what on earth is our keeper going to do? All the training must be geared around the defence with Eastwood and building those relationships. So I understand people's frustration and want to change it, but it just seems it just seems another gamble in the defence that is generally yeah. a gamble in terms of how it's been put together. So I just don't see don't see the merit of even considering yeah. it really. Yeah, I mean I regardless of what I just said about the the mistakes, um 
all the mistake he made in that game. In my opinion, I don't I don't think he should be dropped. I just no, I don't. He might he you know quite whether we said on Twitter about people thinking oh is he in credit is he not or whatever. I mean, like Stevie's just said, it, he's an integral part of the team, and I think the relationship that. You know the relationship breakdown that might occur if he was dropped. I think would arguably be quite catastrophic to the to the dressing room. I imagine Eastwood's quite a big figure in there. To be honest, he's been around the club long enough. He's an experienced head, so I think, I think, I think he'll turn it around. I think to be honest with you, I think we all, I think the the defense in general will will sort themselves out because it's a similar start that we've had under KR. You know, for the last what three years. I mean, so, you're getting to, we're going to get onto this. Yeah, I like your confidence, though. That it's really a, good. It's a big uh, yeah, well, <laughs> I was just going to say that I think we've got a number of problems further forward to start dropping the goalkeeper to solve everything. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And I think you know we'll we'll have that discussion shortly. Stevie, what did you reckon? So they got a red card on 65, so 25, 30 minutes left to play, and at that point. I'm not, I'm not even thinking we're coming back. Like there's that that was the problem I had and we'll, we'll get onto it in a second, but we're just not looking that effective going forward in general. Matty Taylor looks pretty isolated. There's a lot of chat from KR about Winnell and oh, wouldn't it be great to bring Winnell on? But it's about creation of chances and I, you can chuck as many like expected goals stats as you want at it. Like, I, I don't see Matty Taylor. There was, I think, in that Charlton game. Thinking back, and I know we'll get on to Fleetwood in a minute, but I remember, I recall one really good ball from deep from James Henry and a volley from Matty Taylor on his left foot. They kind of he drilled into the keeper. Otherwise, I don't re- recall even half chances for the man. It just doesn't look like we're really causing any problems for the for the opposition, even at, with ten men. No, you've got you've got a, a, a top class League One centre forward in there and. That that's that doesn't need to be changed. What has to be changed is the the service into him and how how that's been, um, how that's been brought forward. You've got Cameron Brannigan who's out, who is a, a big part of the midfield. Let's not forget that. But yeah, you've got James Henry who's not producing, but for whatever reason, doesn't seem to be getting taken out the fold. I, I don't know why. Whether whether I, I don't know whether it's the leadership on the pitch. I, I I I can't answer that one. But as a football player at the minute. Uh, Henry's not producing, but he's not been taken out the firing line. Whether he's got an injury or whatever, you've got Shadipo, who's come on the left, and I thought it's actually a, a couple of good games. Um, but you've got a guy who I know, I know he missed Saturday, but you've got uh, McGwain thinking about Wayne McGwain. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've, got, you've got this guy who lit up pre-season. He absolutely lit up pre-season. Now, defensively, yeah, he's not he's not got the defensive um, discipline to come play in that midfield. But as a number ten or a more attacking midfield player, his his vision, his passing, his creativity is exactly what we're missing. Is the kind of player we're, we're crying out for. But yet, he doesn't seem. To, he's, I don't know how many minutes he's played this season in, in competitive games. Hardly you any. Him, you saw him at Gillingham play really, really well. And he, he looks like, because he didn't have the worry of trying to, the tactical balance within midfield and that sort of structural role, he looks really quite quite good. And he was rolling players and he was sort of driving forward quite effectively, I thought. I just thought with, as well with the Charlton game, because I watched it back the following day, so I didn't have the rage <laughs> which Ben and James <laughs> experienced, although it was a different form of um, punishment, I suppose. But I just felt when we were going up the pitch, and we were briefly chatting about this before, that we don't seem to be creating intensity. We're, we're 
we're moving the ball out quite nicely and there is some chances and that's all fine and we're missing some of them and some of them aren't quite falling and that's a shame but we don't seem to be pressing as much as we used to and we don't seem to sort of have that intensity on teams we, we do have a lot of the ball but I don't feel it's kind of like they're they're sitting there and going god they're just going to score like the ball's being sucked in it just sort of it's still disjointed and that's that's what I can't sort of that's the issue yeah. up front for me. There's no, there's no players that are going to worry. See when you, see when you see that Oxford United lineup, you go, yeah, Taylor's a goal scorer, right? We need to keep them out of the box because he's not going to do much out of the box. We've got two big centre halves that will, that will deal with them in the air. What have Oxford United got in the wings? Mm, nothing really that's going to cause problems. What have they got from midfield that's going to go drive? Brannigan's out. Mm, nothing really. Do the fullbacks cause problems coming forward? No, not really. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no player. The opposition are going, oh, we need to worry about him. Yeah, and if you think back to the Accrington, what's the Accrington boss called again? John Coleman. John Coleman, that's it. Because even when we, we, you know, we obviously had a really good result there for one, I think it was. And Taylor got a couple of um, goals, one being tremendous, the other being the header that kind of squeezed under the keeper. And he said in his post-match, like, we kept the guy quiet all day. And then that happens. Um, My frustration is just, always getting someone, surely in the system we play, if the two on the wings, let's say, if they're going out wide, who's getting up close to Taylor so that he can either drop the ball off or have someone close to yeah. him? And we always talk about that massive gap up to Taylor. And it's because, you know, it's things like Brannigan not being being able to play that's mentioned, but it's a real, it's a recurring issue. And how do you build intensity if you're not winning the second balls that are falling off and you can't break through the banks of four that a lot of teams set up against us pretty well? Yeah, and we, we get on to like the Fleetwood game and we talk about two nils becoming a very predictable result. And I think we said before the game, might as well put a bet on it, ha-ha. And then that's what plays out. And obviously they score in 40 seconds and you're thinking, Jesus Christ, like this whole <laughs> clean sheet like situation where I think it's been 16 games now, like carrying back to last season without a clean sheet. Um, Obviously it was an absolute banger of a goal. I'm not, I think I'm more worried if it's another individual error that's clearly led to it. This was more a case that perhaps we're not closing them down on the edge of the box as we should be. And if you're playing two holding midfielders, maybe, maybe you should. Um, Henry then goes, misses a penalty. That's obviously shocking for the guy's confidence given he hasn't had a great start to the season but again it's just it was all very predictable all over again I think Stevie you referenced it earlier but and I actually I remember listening back to the um wasn't at the game show you said Shadipo was the you know clearly the player that was the most effective for us and he, he got taken off as well didn't he I, I, I honestly I, I've looked at that I've looked back at that again today thinking why on earth has he been taken off? He was the only player that was receiving the ball and actually causing any problems. As a fullback, honestly, see if see he's a fullback. See if the, the winger gets gets the ball and the, the half turn towards you, you go, Oh no. And he was the only yeah. one that was doing that. He was he was he was I know he didn't do much after that. Like he didn't put dangerous crosses into the box or but he, at least he was trying to do it. I didn't see anybody else in that attacking line doing that. And then it takes him off. And you're kind of scratching your head, going, "Hold on a minute! Like you've got you've got two, three, maybe even four players that you could take off before him, performance-wise. But yet it was so premeditated that 
it, you could have guessed he was going to take him off. Actually, I was texting Jerome. I said to Jerome, I bet you take Sudipo off. And <laughs> lo and behold, he takes him off. You know, well, wasn't Aji was warming up in like the first half as well after like 20 minutes. Yeah. And I was thinking, that's interesting, given he's come on most of the time on the left-hand side. I, just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm baffled by that decision, you know. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I think uh, Kia's a, a really good manager. I think he's a perfect manager for Oxford United. But that, that decision, you know, you kind of go, Come on, it has to be more creative than that. Yeah, and Jack, he was probably the only player on the pitch that when he was receiving the ball in those kind of, you know, the positions in the final third of the pitch, he was turning and facing and actually asking a question. And they were they were standing off him, weren't they? Yeah, and I think he, he was the one player, yes, for watching from home, but when he got the ball, you kind of thought, oh, we, we've, something might happen here. Because, he, yeah, you know, he's raw, he's young, but he's quick and he can take a player on. And too much this season, we don't take players on. We go back to the midfield and go back across the back four and the opposition can just sit off, having his pace. And KR's talked about this all season. We need a quick, tricky winger. And like Stevie says, he takes him off after an hour. So he, he yeah. kind of contradicts himself within his actions. We do need a quick player, but you've got to give him 90 minutes because one run he goes on might pull something off. But if he's not on the pitch, he can't create. Yeah, absolutely. Connor, was there anyone else that kind of impressed you in the side from the Fleetwood game? Because he shodders, as we're calling him, was the only positive that I actually took out of that. It was interesting. I was talking to my dad uh, just over dinner today about it, and he and um, he asked me this question, and I turned around and said, literally, other than Shadipo, no. Um, and he said that he thought Claire had a good game, and. I had to disagree. Um, what game? I'm, the flip, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. The Fleetwood game, apparently. And um, how has dad been to Specsavers recently? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think he ought to go. He it's ought actually go. very, it's a very, to be honest, Stevie, we've been discussing um, Claire on the pod a bit. Me and John had a bit of a fallout on the pod last time out because I feel like the guy isn't a right back and I've heard you say as much but he offers something going forward that we we've lacked since Cadden left the club and I'm I'm just we it's just if he costs us a goal a game it's not worth the the benefit of having him marauding down the right in those attacking positions can't cross just like before that. anyone adds anything yeah exactly I was just about to say you might say that but what's he actually produced in the top of the pitch so far has he got an assist I'm not aware of one if he has. You know, that's yeah, if a fullback's gonna be, you know, taking on players and and go, and getting into space in wide areas and putting balls into the box, well if they're full of quality and there's someone on the end of them and we're actually getting assists off, you know, off his name, then then yeah, you can kind of perhaps let the defensive side of things slightly slip. Um yeah. but I think otherwise, just saying that he's good at going forward but can't produce anything, then I think it's a bit of a you know just kind of like trying to cover his back a little bit. And I'm not convinced. I think I was personally, I was really frustrated with him against Charlton for that, for that first goal, the one where he was drawn so far in, like he was yeah, basically, yeah. he's basically playing CDM in that position and so much space allowed for the, for the player to, to run into and score. And it's just, I, I yeah, in my eyes, he's not a fullback. It's, it's clearly not, he's clearly not been brought in. You know, I think you can you can think back to Sunderland with the Gooch goal, Gillingham yeah. with the cross that They're came in for their issue. third, um, Peterborough for their second when Dembele 
I'm 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 conflict. Yeah. I, I'm contradicting myself here, aren't I? And then yeah, um, you are. <laughs> Stevie, obviously, as a former fullback, I, I think I've heard you say the guy isn't a fullback. But what's your general take take on Sean Clare's op- you know opening to the season? Yeah, there's no there's no denying that he's he's not had a good start. Now, what what you've what you've got to to look at, you you think in any position in the in the team, where where can a player probably go? Till he's 35, 36. It's along the back line or maybe a holding midfield, um, depending on what kind of the manager wants from his fullbacks. But generally, you can probably get away with playing at fullback uh, in your latter ages because you position yourself well to stop players getting in behind you or you position yourself well to stop shots going on at goal or you just you just have a general know-how of what's happening round about you. He's not got any of that. He's, it looks like me like he doesn't want to defend. There's, there's times where you're watching it and you're going, go and close the ball down, go, go towards the ball, like stop the cross coming in, or you know, or why are you why are you so far away from your centre half, or like that goal at Charlton, why on earth are you stepping in? All you do there, and this is how you know he's not a fullback or a defender proper, is Shinny's on the half turn there with nobody nobody near him for Charlton. You have got to just drop as a back four and narrow. And you just go, look, we're just going to have to stop anybody running behind us. If he shoots from 25 yards, we've got yeah. DC's he's going to save it. But the minute he steps out, he absolutely kills Elliot Moore because all it takes a little run in behind him and it's a goal. And that's exactly what happens. You just stop, you narrow, you defend it properly as a, as a back four. But you, you actually look and you think Elliot Moore and Sam Long haven't done that bad at centre-half. Ruffles, steady Eddie at left-back. Whenever a team comes up against us, they just put the ball down our right-hand side and they, they cause us all sorts of problems all the time. And that might be why James Henry's having such a bad start because he's got nobody to give him the ball from behind him. Stevie, yeah. do, you, do yeah. you generally think, because um, I, I was getting a bit frustrated with against Charlton in particular, that our fullback seems to naturally from the start be positioning himself further forward. Is there something about for the next couple of games that we limit the fullbacks in terms of going forward and we just sort of have a very flat back four? And we actually say, we just sort of say to the attacking unit, right, you're going to have to do a bit more as, as a unit and just have the defence very flat and, and narrow, as you touched on. Is that part of the way you solve these issues of shipping goals? The, the, what should have happened against Charlton and Fleetwood is they should have had absolutely that, John, a, a flat back four where you just go, your job is to defend. We want a clean sheet today. I don't care if it's nil-nil. To really difficult teams away from home, you've got to just go, let's, let's, just, let's just shut up shop Let's put Gordon in front of the back four. U5 plus a goalkeeper, keep a clean sheet. If we get something up the other end of the pitch, brilliant. But it doesn't seem to be the way that we, we play. And to do that, to answer the question, John, to be honest, we couldn't play clear there to do that. He's yeah. not got the discipline side to go to do that that side of it at right back. You would have to put Sam Long out there and put somebody else in at centre half. And then at that point, you do have four players that, yeah, you could have more discipline. What do you feel? Go on, James. Sorry. I was, I was just going to say, we had um, a mate, James, messaged messaged us and was kind of saying, we just generally have no balance at the back. And you've kind of got, in Sam Long, and this sounds harsh, but an average right back at this level at centre-back, um, a wing back who can't defend at right back in Sean Clare, a keeper whose confidence is kind of up and down and he's, he's making mistakes. And you've got Elliot Moore, who is the senior kind of, or the leader in the defence, who's actually only got 20-odd senior appearances to his name. 
And every time I look at that defense, whenever the, the team sheet comes out on a Saturday or or now a Tuesday every time, I'm just I just look at it and I think, God, I have since the days of kind of Cadden being in there um with kind of Moore and Dickey, I just have no belief that we're not not conceding, as it were. And obviously it, it, that's how it's playing out. The two goals conceded a game, but I, I don't know I, I don't know where we go from here. I'm <laughs> just it, it's 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 upsetting to be honest. But I, I don't know, Stevie, if there's any. What where, where do you think we go next from that side of things? Yeah, I think you've got to you go Eastwood and goal. You've got Ruffles, your steady Eddie left back, who by the way has what two hundred odd games. Is it? Is yeah. He, yeah. So he should be taking more responsibility. I think he's getting away. He's getting away with murder a little bit. To be honest with you, I think he should be stepping up a bit more and, and putting a bit more authority on the back line from from fullback. Um, but you would, you would he definitely left back. Then you've got Atkinson who can play left centre half, uh, Moore, and then you you Anthony Ford at right back or Sam Long at right back. You know, in there or KR's been talking about trying to get a player who can fill in at, um, at, at uh, defence. You know, you bring somebody else in, and then you look into the midfield with, with Gorin, uh, Brannigan, McGuin. Uh, then you've got your your Taylor up front, and you can have whoever on the on the wings to, to go and support, probably Henry and and, and, and Shadipo. And that team, you're kind of going, yeah. Do you know what? That's a lot more solid. That's that's a decent team. Um, but until he until he solves, uh, uh, to be perfectly honest, until he solves the the right back issue, as in don't play clear there, then this argument will just go on and on and on and on and on because I can't see a clean sheet being had when he's playing and I don't want to be so harsh on the guy because he's not a bad football player but he just can't play in that position with that defence I was wondering if you dropped like I don't think we've got the players to do it obviously but whether or not when we're defending if we had a five at the back and you've got Ruffles and Claire then further forward with a three but we just don't even have the luxury of two centre-backs really let alone three and that's kind of the problem I think we've got because Claire strikes me as someone that could probably play in that type of setup but we just haven't got the players to to accommodate it we need a ball playing center back to do three at the back as well which we don't really have yeah or more absolutely. more can more can to a degree i mean steve is it is it the manager to sort the defense out or is it for the on the pitch the players in the defense to be going claire get back just come into a back four or will that be going against the tactics of the manager if how would have you been in this situation where you've had to kind of do it yeah. yourselves on the pitch or do you just go well, the manager sets the tactics and we've just got to play them as as a as a more senior player as you get older you you start going like so for, for me for instance at, at left back you know the manager might have said to, to us we're playing a 4-3-3 and my left winger in front of me is to go and stay high and wide now if my left winger <laughs> in high and wide there's absolutely no way he'd be there for much longer because he'd be <laughs> he has to get back in next to me um, and you, you know you'd have arguments on the pitch. I, I would, I, I've, I've had with my own players. I've, I've had players kind of say, right, wait till we get in the changing room at the end, and you're kind of going, right, fine, let's go. You know, and then you go off the pitch, you give each other a cuddle. There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing of that. Like there's no, there's, there's nothing. It's like you don't go close something down, and everybody just goes, oh, all right, okay, yeah. You know, you, you need. You need, yeah. I think John, the manager can do so much, but he can't go over that white line. The, the eleven players over that white line have to help each other. And it feels so passive. Absolutely. Do you think? Do you think Moose walks straight back into that side when he's fit? No, 
No, I, do, I don't. I, I think he's 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 a bit part player. I don't think he can go and play six, seven, eight games in a row, especially when it's Saturday, Tuesday. Um, I think Atkinson. We need to get Atkinson back now. He's not the answer, but it, it seems to be what KR wants to do. Um, Messino probably goes into the game for one or two games, but I don't think he's a long term solution to to this season. I think they, they need to they need to sort something else out. Yeah. Um, looking at the other end of the pitch, because I, I keep just thinking about defence and not looking at attack, but I, I was looking at some data. I love my data. So I was looking at it last night. Jack, I'm going to come to you this with this, so you have to listen carefully. All right? <laughs> you listening? I am. So we haven't scored in five of our eight games this season. Five of those games have been 2-0 defeats. So all of those have been 2-0 defeats, which I think is pretty alarming in general. Um. If you look back at last season, we only failed to score in seven games through the whole of last season. And three of those were nil-nil draws, if you remember. Generally, we're at those games, aren't we? Because whenever we play crap, generally we're at the games. Um, The Bolton one was a particular highlight, wasn't it? After they lost 5-0 to everyone and then played us. If we didn't have Lincoln, we would really be a curse. I think Lincoln actually was the game after Bolton, thinking back. Yeah, it was. Um, But yeah, like... What what do we what are we thinking about our general attacking play at this at this stage of the season? Because we went nine that Bolton game last year was the first time we failed to score um in the league last year, last time out. And the squad isn't too dissimilar. I think I looked looked back at it and we had like um even Fosu, like you might you might say Fosu was there, but he was actually on the bench for a lot of those early games. But this is the worst start we've had under KR, and we've had worst start after worst start, as as it were. But what, do you, do you think we should be just as concerned with our kind of attacking capability as our defensive unit at the moment? Well, I think the word I've written down here is static. There doesn't seem to be as much movement off the ball as we used to yet. So we're missing someone like Cameron Brannigan, who does you know drive, he moves about. But a good example yesterday was, I think it was Anthony Ford went down the right-hand side um, and crossed the ball and it went behind Taylor. But actually, if you paused paused it as Ford was about to cross, there was no one else in the picture. We don't yeah. seem to have, I don't know if it's the legs because of who's missing from midfield. I don't know if it's lack of confidence, but there don't doesn't seem to be many options. And this, this links into Matty Taylor being isolated all the time. If he does control a ball and looks up, and wants to bring someone else into the play, there isn't anyone. Henry seems to be playing a bit deeper. And generally, if James Henry's on poor form, we're on poor form. That's been a trend again over the past few seasons. Um, So it's kind of a double whammy. We've got a defensive unit whose shape and positioning is is, is, is suspect, to say the least. And then you've got an attacking unit who... Well, they're not a unit because there's no movement, there's no options. And it, it... Whereas... In our good spells, when we've won four, five, six games in a row, there always seems to be an option. And I don't think it's all down to the likes of, say, Marcus Brown not being in the squad. But at least he did seem to do a 10-yard quick sprint off the ball to make space. In this current setup, we don't seem to be doing it. And that's a lot of the problem as well, I think. John, we were I don't remember when we were chatting, but we were saying... Is it a coincidence that we just start so badly under KR? Like this is the third season in a row where we've gone, you know, heading towards ten games, and we're kind of towards the bottom of the league. But 
like every other team has to deal with changes. They have to deal with transfers, with departures, with whatever else. It just seems weird. But like, I don't know what... I, I'm still in this place where I still expect us to come in the top six. And it's getting to the point where that's becoming ridiculous and someone should smash me around the head with a bat <laughs> because I'm just chatting. You know, I'm just chatting rubbish. Such a shame I left that's so far away from that's... you, James. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I really um, this uh, separate thing. But I don't know, Stevie, what you think about that in general, but it it, it is odd that we've gone... We I think we've done a comparison, but this this is probably now the worst start we've had on the KR, but we've we've been literally in the bottom six or something on after eight to ten games every time we've we've started a season with him. Yeah, there's two there's two sides to the game. There's the model that Oxford United have as in you bring in players at cheap, low cost, uh, or maybe a youth player and you develop them, you get them game time at, at whether it was League Two or now League One, and then you move them on to a championship club um, and you make money from it, then you kind of put most of that towards the, 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 the club and the, the little bit left, you go and get somebody else and, and you go and reinvest that. There's that part of the, the model, and that's the model that Oxford United and what KR is very good at. But you've got a logical side of the game where the end result, as in what happens in that 90 minutes, means something. And this is where I think he's getting he's getting stuck between a rock and a hard place. He's thinking about this development side where he's got to stick to the model, but he's also got to think about the results and the logical side of it and what team's actually going to get a result for the football club uh, and ultimately keep them in League One. And that's, that's where he's stuck between because I think if you just said to him, you have to go out there and get a result week in, week out, I don't think he's got the same sort of team that he's playing but because he's got this development side of it, talent development, bring players in, make them better, move them on, he's playing certain players that maybe wouldn't play as much or you know, he's given players opportunities that maybe wouldn't get as many opportunities. And that's, that's, the, that's the, the balance that, that Oxford United have. And when you're in such a poor form or when you're starting a season and you're trying to get things knitted together, you maybe have to just start with your more experienced players, or you have to you have to stick to a more defensive shape rather than this open, expansive play that we have. Yeah. And you, that's probably where he's stuck between at the minute, where he's kind of going, oh, "Which one do I have to put more focus on?" I, I know what you mean, but when it comes, it, maybe he has a thing against people from Northern Ireland. But <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to Sykes and Cooper, like last season with Sykes, he had to, you know do all sorts to try and get a place in the team where all the fans were calling for it and then lo and behold he gets into the team and keeps his place and he's running rings around Newcastle um, and then Cooper this time around as well given their players that are contracted to the club and not loans or whatever it still feels like he's not really doing the thing with regards to the model but I, I, I still hear what you're saying that he may be stuck in between things but that still is a confusing one I think for a lot of fans that as to why, like Cooper is suddenly like behind Shadipo, who's coming. I know, obviously, Shadipo's then shown why he's in the team, but then what, what's Cooper done? Like, to he hasn't had a shout. But that's the thing, guys. What has Cooper done, and how many minutes has he played this season? Not it's, a lot. <laughs> you know, is he? It's got to this point where he's now is he a reliable source to put on from the start? Because you know you're going to get something from him. No, because he's not been given the opportunity, and that's what I'm kind of saying. He's like, 
he's he's kind of put all his eggs in the basket of these players and they've not produced for him. And now he's got the likes of Cooper, who was away for about eight weeks on Northern Ireland duty yeah, a couple of yeah. weeks ago, who's not played. And then you've got other guys who are now injured and Sykes can't play. And you're kind of going, he's he's kind of brought it on himself a little bit, you know, with how he's how he's lined it all up and he's left players winnow. You know, we've had winnow now for what six weeks, and he's he's played about eight, uh, 40 minutes. Injured again, you know. It's this is a, this is a massive problem that we've got. Yeah, and just before we meet, we're going to go down memory lane in a minute with you, Stevie. But we'll just we'll finish up on some more depressing stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> um, Connor, like if when we Kr reacting to Charlton said these mistakes can't keep happening, but they are. We've got certain players missing, but I don't want to use that as an excuse. Like the players that are missing, like one for me is is Kelly, which I'm pretty disappointed with. And Henry, obviously, we mentioned before. Is there anyone else or do you think that's that they're the general players that should be making us tick that just aren't at the moment? I, yeah, I think, to be honest, one of the biggest things in recent weeks is the is obviously Brannigan's um, absence. Um, I Obviously, we can't talk too much about that because that's an injury and a bit of a strange one as well. Um well, I think in terms of the players on the pitch, like you say, I think Henry and Kelly, yeah, disappointing. I think Gorin has Gorin added much defense, defensive, um, you know, added his qualities to the game since he's come back into sort of the sense of defensive midfield role. Arguably, he hasn't. Um, I think I think we hoped he would stop yeah. the old two goals the game. Yeah, we. I think we all thought that. But the problem with Gorin is he just loves to stick his foot in a bit too much, and he ends up playing on the ropes because he gets booked. Um, exactly, yeah. You know that, that's that's the type of player he is, but he might have to curve that because he'll end up being sent off left, right, and centre if he keeps carrying on. Um, I think, and we've already spoken defensively, and I, th- I think the defence as a as a four, um, you know, Ruffles, Long, Moore, and um, Claire, they certainly have to be looking at themselves and seeing how they can individually and collectively do better. I think it must be something they, they got to be working on together in training. They know that at the moment, Atkinson's not going to be in the team. So that is the back four. Um, yeah, I just hope that we kind of stop this. It's just the amount of goals we conceded at the moment. I think that's the most but- important thing. It's the clean sheet thing. If if It's like Stevie said earlier. If you go into a game and you say, right, the main objective to this is to not concede a goal. Is that going to happen? I'm still not convinced personally that we've got a solid back four. Go on, Jack. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because considering Mourinho has essentially become a a coach in the past few weeks and our new assistant manager was also a centre-back, our defending has actually got worse. (laughs) But we now have kind of, if you want to call them, two specialist centre-back type coaching staff yeah. but for some reason our, def- our unit if you want to call it that as a back four just seem all over the place yeah. Um, I'm yeah. still deeply and- deeply concerned that we didn't replace Rob Dickey in any capacity uh, if we if we look at KR's comments after Fleetwood as well he was you kind of go back to the KR that was very emotional and reactive on the back of kind of bad results or poor runs from two three years ago but John what did you think when he was kind of digging again I think Stevie I heard you talking about this but it felt like John he was digging out a lot of the players that necessarily were kind of squad players saying we can't cope without having Brannigan, McGuane, Sykes, Winnell, 
we don't have that type of squad and then kind of praising the squad that Fleet would have. It just felt like he was... If, I, if I'm if i a player that's not in that starting 11 I'm, and if I'm listening to that, I'm just going, what 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 on earth am I meant to be doing in like nine minutes that you've given me versus watching James Henry kind of fall over and miss a penalty? I don't know. I just yeah, no, I, I didn't couldn't really disagree with you there. I mean, my heart sank listening to it, and I, I do have some sympathy for KR because he would have been there's been a lot on him, and you can tell it's been yeah. it's been draining on him. Um, but it was like an interview of a couple of years back. You think, why are you talking about dominating the game? We didn't dominate the game. You're leading on McGuane and Sykes as players you don't have, yet you don't give them the chances. Um, the Winnell thing we've touched on, the, the lacking in wide areas. Well, we've got players in the wide areas. Um, I just think it was... Um, I, I, was, I was surprised when he talked about there's no tactical implications that need to be addressed. There's no effort that needs to be addressed. For me, those are two of the big things that probably do need to be addressed. So, yeah, yeah. very worrying, really. Stevie, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, I heard you saying some things on the show with Nick Harrison and co about no, Kyle's I, comments. I think he's have kind of hit the, the nail on the head. I think, John, what you just said there about kind of that sinking feeling when he was talking. I much prefer KR when he comes out firing, you know, and he's 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 you know he's he's really pumped up about you know they've been beat, but he's you know he's he's kind of going in at either at the the team or he's going in at something. It seemed a bit sort of dull as well, you know. His sort of as if he was sort of defeated on the day uh, on Saturday, and it was as you, you know you're going Rob Hall and 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 you know the even Dan Adji said a couple of games, but but then back out the side and you're kind of going, well, what what do I need to do? You know, like you just said, uh, James, I get nine minutes. Like, what do you want me to do in nine minutes? Yeah. Um, try and prove myself here, and then he's leaning on players like McGuane, who's hardly had a minute. Winnell hardly had a minute. Sykes played a couple of games. You know, you're not missing those players because you've not been playing them. The only one you're you're genuinely missing is Brannigan. You know, out out with that, that's your squad that you've put together. So, you know, as a manager, sometimes you do just have to kind of step out and go, do you know what? I'll hold my hands up. I maybe never got it right. Or there's two or three players out there that really need to buck up their ideas because, you know, I'm watching them closely. You know, make it, make it that sort of thing rather than... Yeah, yeah, it felt a bit sort of passive. Yeah, I think Rob Rob Hall, as you just mentioned there, Stevie, is the interesting one. So the, this season, he's played ninety one minutes across five league appearances. Sixty of them were from a start against Accrington. So in four other appearances, he's played thirty one minutes. And after he scored against Watford in the cup, then got dropped at the weekend and got six minutes in the game we lost two 0 to Sunderland. Yet, last January, we gave him a new one-year contract. Yet, as we've said, he's coming on for six minutes here, five minutes there in games we're losing. It seems a waste of a squad place in what is a, a squad cap this year if he's only going to get five minutes here and there. And we keep talking, hearing KR say, oh, we need another winger. We, he had three players he brought on to play wide on at the weekend. So it, it, that, that kind of brings me on to, the, I guess, the final point I want to make about how we're generally playing in the start of the season. Stevie, do you, do you feel like we are lacking in terms of a plan B? Because it feels like we go behind, nothing's really clicking or working, and perhaps it is down to the options we got from the bench, but it, it just doesn't feel like we mix things up or we kind of, I don't know, we, we, we just seem to coast through games. As soon as we were 2-0 down against Charlton, the second half was a non-event. Much like going... 
I think Jerome said in the commentary against Fleetwood as well. It was, you know, it wasn't even really a game when we were losing one nil. The game was gone. It didn't look like we were coming back. And it's just like that is a dangerous place to be. I don't, I don't expect us to be in trouble this season. But at the same time, I don't expect us to be competitive if things carry on like this. Like, why should we have a plan B or be able to mix it up? Yeah, and you've got to also uh, remember that Charlton had 10 men for 25, 30 yeah. minutes um, and never changed anything at that point either. That's that's where you that's where you need... I, I, you're talking, Jack, there. You made a, a very good point that you, you maybe not even... You never even clicked on there, but Accrington had won the game and Rob Hall started. He's not started the game since. You know, yeah. I like him. I think he gives, so, he gives a different dynamic to the, the, the team. Um, when he when he's playing, I think he's he's one of those players that he's difficult to tackle because he can move, but he doesn't get enough time to, to, to shine. You're putting you're putting players into positions that you're 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 not you're not getting enough out of them. So when you're trying, if, I don't know if he's got a plan B because I never really see the tactics changing apart from putting Winnell up and or Agi up and making a two up front. But we don't have a big target man to go and change the game to. We don't have all the wingers seem relatively same same. I don't, is there any winger that, you know, Shadipo's maybe got a bit more pace that can get him behind? But do you know what I mean? The players are all sort of same-same, James. So I don't know if he can have a plan B. Yeah. Because I, I, I generally, I'm, I'm sitting here at the minute and I'm thinking, what could the plan B be? Well, well I, when Winnell's fit, maybe you yeah. play two of them up there and you, you kind of get wingers around them. A 4-2-4 four, yeah. four type deal, but... And he's done that a couple of times, hasn't he? Chasing games um, towards the end when when Winnell was fit, he's, he's I think two or three games he's come on for the last ten minutes or whatever to to try and get that. But you know that's that's pretty much it. I can't because the players are so similar. You know, it's difficult to change it. You know, yeah. you got a six foot four centre forward that you can go and hit an Andy Carroll type. You know, to to change the game, we don't we don't do that. I think one of one of the biggest comments that concerned me this season came after the first league game when Michael Apperson said, we knew how they were going to play, we knew what we had to do to beat them, and we did it, and it was straightforward <laughs> for Lincoln to do it. And every, every yeah. team we've seen is happy to watch us pass the ball about a lot and dominate possession. And, you know, it, it, every game is the same. I think we've all said it this season, or even tonight, every game just feels the same. Have a lot of possession, go 1-0 down, and then think, well, we're probably not coming back. I still think we're coming second in the league because of what Matt said in that same interview. Because he said we'll come sec- first or second, didn't he? So everything's fine. <laughs> um, right, so we've got Rochdale on Tuesday night, Connor. That is a, a spicy encounter. They're unbeaten in four. They've um, taken a point um, against Sunderland. They've beaten Shrewsbury and Burton and they, they've drawn with um, Bristol Rovers at home last time out, but it, that's a must. It's suddenly a must win, isn't it? It's yeah. like it's it's terrifying after like nine games or whatever that you're looking at that and you're being like, it, "Ooh, if we don't win that game, and we've got cup games after that, you you know, we, it, it's it's a must win already." Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, I've already got mates who are who are fans from other teams in our league taking the piss out of me because you know because of how poorly we're playing and we're you know we're right down there so I think you're right it is a really important well to be honest with you every game in a league season is important but we need to start getting some points on the board and building a little bit of momentum um, and yeah obviously Rochdale won't be a, won't be an easy an easy team to roll over um, if you're asking for score predictions is that what you're going to ask next? Not really okay. but go on alright All right. <laughs> I'll go for it anyway I'm going to be optimistic I'm going to say 2-1 win oh 
I mean, you know, you could at least say three two to us. So we get the the standard two goals conceded. Oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, no, I'm trying to be trying to be optimistic and see if we can just concede one. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll absolutely take that. We're we're in that, we're pretty much exactly an hour in. Um, I think we go over to chatting a bit to go into the list. This is your life section, Stevie. How are you feeling? Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Red book. <laughs> red book. Have you got the big red book? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I don't have the theme. Usually I had nice theme music. I should have thought about that. That's a shame. <laughs> but how did it all um, start out at Rangers and how did it? How did you kind of get into the youth setup and stuff? Yeah, so I was, uh, I think, 11. Um, I was just playing for my, my local my local team up in, up in East Kilbride in Scotland and, and got asked to go over and have a, a trial with uh, Rangers. And from, from that moment on, I, I played with them. I, I, I got scouted for pretty much every team in Scotland. I was not a bad player when I was 11, 12 years old. I was a winger. I was one of those quick wingers that you were needing, <laughs> um, which slowly dis, dis, uh, got away from me because I, I got a little bit older. Um, but yeah, so, and then from 12, just just uh, played through the Rangers youth set up and at 16, uh, signed a three-year contract. Um, and then that got extended by another two years. So I was a five-year pro, um, played, played, was that was that like a common thing? Like there was a a, a big bunch of lads like in this, a similar position, all vying for a first team spot, or, or like yeah. I mean, we talk about Andrew Shinney there. So me and me and Shinney came through the the youth ranks together um, in the in the same team, and we both got our, our contracts together. John Fleck uh, is another one at Sheffield United. Yeah, um, good player. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a few to be honest. There's um, that, are, that are playing. Um, Dean Furman's he was he was in the youth setup. That's he's captain South Africa. Um, you know, there's, there's quite a few players. We had a really good youth team, um, and when we when we got signed on at at, um, at 16, we went and played in the the under 19s um, at 17 and 18, and we won everything. We won the, the league and cup double. I don't, I don't even think we could beat in a game um, for for pretty much two seasons. And that team then went went on to to, to do fairly well, and the likes of Shinny and uh, Jamie Ness, Dean Furman, and all these kind of players went on to. Have have really good careers, and and I came down I came down to Oxford because um, I had my loan spell. Obviously, um, the, the the season we got promoted and, and and done fairly well in that, and then signed signed the two year two year contract. Yeah. How, how did the loan move actually come about? Because you came down with uh, oh, Ross yeah. Perry, wasn't it? Uh, Centre back. Well, Oxford came up and played against Rangers. Uh, they were up in Scotland for the pre season, um, yeah. so uh, Chris Wilder seen us seen us playing. Um, and he and he needed a well, he wanted a left back in, so he did kind of said to to the Rangers, we'd be interested in taking your your left back. And I mean, you can imagine me, I'm, I'm I was what twenty, uh, just turned twenty, um, and the <laughs> I get pulled into the office in Oxford United, want you? And I'm kind of going, who, where? <laughs> <laughs> that, was our ne- that was our next question. <laughs> yeah. Oxford's really far away. <laughs> um, so that was that was kind of one of those that you have to really think about. Um, so I came down, I came down and, and um, met met Chris and uh, the team and, and kind of looked around. Obviously, Sam Stadium's magnificent and and the, you know that I got a good vibe around the place. And I thought, Do you know what, this is this is something that I, I quite fancy. And you know they were, they were going to stick me up in the digs in Kidlington. You know, it's a nice little town and. And I thought, yeah, yeah, Ross, Ross was, was coming down as well. So I thought, yeah, let's let's give it a shot. So you know, that's 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 how it that's how it came around. And 
you know, I, I really enjoyed my time at that. I think I played about 15, 16 games um, before I got in. Yeah. Um, and then... That, that, that's what I was going to say next. Like, Sandwith started the season. I remember because I, I went to... Where did we went to like the glorious places like Kettering? Actually, you went. You you obviously can talk about Kettering a bit more in a bit, but Kettering away, Sandwich scored, and then you got into the side in kind of late August. Do you remember who your debut was against? Uh, League game. Uh, I never played at Wimbledon. My first game was Wimbledon. I was on the bench. Wimbledon away. Um, oh, who did that? I? I put I put down Forest Green in a nil nil delightful draw. See, good fullback. That's nil nil clean sheet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also like to, do you remember any like particular games that were highlights during that initial kind of loan spell leading up to the injury because there was one particular one which I think a lot of the lads will remember is that win against Luton um, at home yeah that you, you must have felt like Jesus I'm 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 in here like this is a that was, this is a proper game that was that was good so we we'd played Celtic in the the youth cup uh, final at Hamden two years in a row and we had 22,000 and then about 18,000 um so they were they were cracking games but because Hamden's a 52,000 seater and it's only half you know yeah. it, it was good atmosphere but then you played that was that was one of the first games that I remember I actually remember to this day standing on the pitch at one point just just looking around going wow this is good this <laughs> it was it was a sellout wasn't it Luton brought a full house and it was the game where Jamie Cook had um you know the fans had helped as the 12th man to sign him back and Bino missed a missed that penalty and then about 30 seconds later went down and scored and was shushing the Luton fans <laughs> that was that was incredible that was a cracking game um and the I, I scored at Crawley at home uh, we beat Crawley three one. Um, I scored that game, so I always remember that one. Um, that that was part of the quiz. You just ruined uh, it. I remember. <laughs> I remember running from inside my own half, uh, dribbling past four players, and then smashing it into the top corner. Now don't. Talk about <laughs> I, I watched. Do you know what? It's still on YouTube. That you obviously know that, don't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's an It's one of them where you're like. Is it a cross? And then you're like, obviously not. There's no one anywhere near in sight. And it, you, it's kind of like a deft, lobbed finish, isn't it? Into the far top corner type thing. It's amazing. I, I did actually mean to to, to score. Um, and it was, <laughs> it was a shot. But I did think it was a bit weak when I, when I first hit it. I actually remember hitting it right now. And I, I did think when I when I hit it left my foot, I thought, oh, should I put a bit more power on it? But it just seemed to stay in the air and just kind of go right over the top of the goalkeeper and into the top corner, and it was yeah, it was that was that was one. That's probably one of the biggest highlights, to be honest, um, of my, my Oxford career. It was it was a good it was a good. Jerome, game. Jerome yeah. described it as beautiful, I think, in the commentary. Which you'll I have to be good then if he's described it. You like have that. to remind him of that if you don't every time you go on air. <laughs> I think it was even better because what's his fate? Jefferson Louis had scored and then knee slid yeah. in front of our fans um, at one point in that as well, but. Um, how frustrating was the injury that you got? Because again, like you said, you had 14, 15 league appearances kind of leading into November. Obviously, you had Kevin Samwith there kind of chomping at the bit in the background. Um, it must have been really frustrating to have that injury and then have to dip back out of the, the side and what was a very successful side at that point in time. Yeah, well, I think I left them 12 points at the top of the league and they managed to finish second to Stevenage. So <laughs> I, I do remind <laughs> Um, ah, but even how it happened so we're playing Barrow at home in the FA Cup and I was just shielding the ball out for a goal kick 
and the boy just came into the back of me just to you know just make made contact never nothing nothing like hard or harsh or you know out of this out of out of content and i just fell over and i just heard a pop in my knee and it was my ligament my ligament had snapped in my my right knee and i was just lying on the ground just thinking oh no and i i don't like lying on the ground and we might come on to that as we go in through the the, the next season but you know we <laughs> So I've, I've tried to get back up, and I'm like, nah, I can't, I can't. I've got no power in my, my leg whatsoever, and I had done my, my medial ligament, which is the, the inside ligament of your knee, um, and that was it. There's nothing you can do about it. You know, that you've just got, I think it was uh, 11 or 12 weeks um, before you're kind of back playing. So that, that, that stopped me coming back because Chris wanted me back in the January. He was desperate for me in the January, but my, I wasn't even going to start my fitness training until the February. Um, which would have meant that I wouldn't have actually played any games till the March. So it was a, it would have been a gamble, yeah. um, especially when they were they, they, they were chasing the, the the top of the league and then the playoffs. That it would have been a gamble to come back down. So I understood that, but he he kind of said, "No, look, I'm desperate for you in the new season as well to to, to come back down if, if Rangers don't want you." So you know, I, there was a lot of positivity around the place at that time for me. That's that's what I was, that was one of the questions I was going to ask. Is that at the point of the injury, did you always kind of know, given your the Rangers contract might be up, that you'd be welcomed back with open arms because Wilder had given you the heads up. Yeah, pretty much from the from that sort of February time, um, he was he was quite keen. You know, he was really keen to, to get me back, um, which was good from me. But when and, and then when it when it happened, obviously in the summer, um, Rangers Rangers had said no, we're we're not going to keep you on. You're 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 now twenty. I turned twenty one in the June. Um, you, you have to be a first team player, and, and Walter Smith doesn't see you as a as a first team player, so we're going to move you on. You know, and then I, I knew I had the Oxford one lined up. But to be honest with you, it wasn't until I was much older that I started um, realizing I was I was not in a good place with that. I was I was in a, a really difficult place because I'd been in a really comfort zone with with Rangers for the last what twelve years, 10, 12 years. Um, I was living at home with my parents. I was. You know, I had my support bubble and a really good club, and then all of a sudden, I was from from just turned twenty one in the June, moved four or five days later, had a leaving party, drove down. My now wife, but then girlfriend, was staying up in Scotland for uh, university till she finished that. Mm-hmm. I'd, we'd bought a house together. Um, we had a mortgage. I didn't even know what a mortgage was. Uh, <laughs> all, all up in Scotland as well. No, that, so this I had I was living at home in Scotland, so I moved down to Oxford. Um, yeah. I was so I moved down myself because um, my, my 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 girlfriend now wife had to finish university, but we bought a house down here. Um, so I had all the bills, mortgages, cars, and I, I'd just been released from Rangers. I was all over the place to be honest. Um, and then came into came into pre season and. Done okay, like just just in preseason, preseason, and we got. I think it was Button Albion the first game of the season. Of that new when I had actually signed, and I wasn't even in the eighteen man squad. So- I was going to say because we had, um, I think Sam Whitf left, but obviously Tonkin had come in in January, probably to replace you, yeah. and then he obviously did well, played pretty much every league game between January and the end of the season. We got promoted, and. He was obviously still hanging around um, the following year. So, how how was how was that? Wilder liked a big squad as well. That was another thing. We I think we worked out we had over thirty players in that season, that second season. Yeah, yeah. Um, lots of coming and going, but yeah, what was that like for you? 
for the players' mental health in general. Uh, I, like I said, I, I, I wasn't. It wasn't until I got a lot older that I realised actually what I was. I was in a terrible place, you know, coming coming down into into that. And I hadn't played much from when I had been injured either, because when I went back to Rangers, there was no reserve league. So from the March onwards, I hadn't really played much football. So I, I was I was I was rusty and all the rest of it. So and I came into come into that and. I was in the squad, so I went. I travelled up to to Burton, um, and then I wasn't in the. I wasn't obviously starting. I knew that because he'd done the shape, but I wasn't on the bench either. So I was in the stand, and that happened quite a lot um, at the beginning of that season. And then I think it was Chesterfield away. Uh, Chesterfield. I was going to ask you about that. I was at that game. It was a, wasn't it a Tuesday night, and they were top of the top league. Of the league, absolutely freezing cold. It was yeah. Baltic. And we we were on a hiding to nothing, um, and 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 I played, and we won two one or two, yeah two one it was, it was that's right isn't it? Yep, two one yeah. Uh, so I was I was buzzing, I was buzzing, I was like yeah here we go, and we I went into training on Thursday, and he pulled me into the office, and he says you're not playing on Saturday, and I'm going what, you know like what what what's going on? He says, ah, we've, we're quite inexperienced at the back. I need I need some more experience. So I'm going to put Tomkins back in. And I'm just, I was, you know, that way where you're kind of like, you're all over the place at the start of the season. You think, all right, I've got a little shot here now. I've, I've got in. Yeah. And you're, you're thrown back out. And you need, you need, as a football player, you need games. You need four, five, six games to try and get a bit of consistency. Um, so I was in and out, in and out of the team all the way sort of through. I maybe played about 12 games or 14 games again that season. But no, no, we no consistency at all with it. I, 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 that's exactly the point I made. I managed to capture all the games that you played that season, and it wasn't like oh nine oh nine ten where you had that big run of games leading towards kind of December time. This was just spread out over the whole yeah. season, and that yeah, that Chesterfield game was the one I picked out because I was like, they were top of the league, absolutely flying at the time. Um, hadn't. Um, I think we'd lost five games in a row yeah, going that, into that game as well. Changed it, yeah. Yeah, and so I was, you know, you got to think. I, I get where you're coming from there because you you got to think something's changed. We then beaten the team that are top of the league and absolutely flying, and then you're back out again. So yeah, yeah, that, and it's just, that must be tough. It's, it, that's that's the toughest thing for for footballers. Like, and that that's from from sort of the outside in, and that's why when I'm sort of doing my my now commentary stuff, I try not be too harsh on players. Uh, when I when I, I try and think about my own situation, but you you, you know sometimes you, you, as a player there's nothing you can do. You've just you, the, the manager's made a decision and he's he's made a decision that he's going to change it and, and that's it. You know you've you've just got to you've got to take it in the chin and it's the older you get the more mature you get the better you can deal with that. Um, and like I'd said previously, I probably wasn't in the best sort of place to deal with that. Uh, and and that that's 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 maybe where. I could have been a bit better uh, within myself, and and I'm not a bad character. I was always a good character, and you know I'd always train well in that. But I was probably you know huffing and puffing around the place a little bit because I was I was I was a bit down. Um, and it's just how you deal with that. I was did, I was curious as to whether sorry, go on, John. I was just saying, did the squad as a whole kind of hold it against Wilder a bit for having such a large squad, and I guess chopping and changing affair, but did that sort of feeling of annoyance you've just talked about spread across the squad or was everyone kind of a bit more kind of focused on their own thing? 
Yeah, I, I, it did definitely spread across the squad. Um, I mean, I, I I got on really well with Tompkins. That we had, we had a really good relationship because we would always be teamed up together in team shape, both at, at left back. So you know, we we got on really well, and you know, we I think actually at one point he actually said to me, "I'm not I'm not actually sure why I'm playing because you, you, <laughs> you know, and, and you kind of that that's a telling tale as well because he was a really experienced player, so I was learning from him as well at the same time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, John. I think there was that sense of um, that sense of sort of why is there so many like everybody's on their toes all the time, nobody can settle down and and, and kind of nail a position because you you make two mistakes and you're out. Um, but again, I've thought long and hard about about sort of my career because I really enjoyed my time at the club. It was just a, a shame that I, I wish I'd played a lot more. But uh, you look at Chris Wilder, you look at his career and, and where he was at in his career. He was still learning the ropes to where he's at now. You know, and you, you kind of think back to to the decisions he made and some of the things that he'd done and, and all that kind of stuff, and you think, well. He must have learned a lot, you know, from his time at, at Oxford United, and, and and he's he's hopefully taken a lot of that on as he's moved forward in his career because his squad was way too big for the two or three seasons that, that I was there. Complaints, did you think? Complaints. Did you think? Sorry, sorry. I was oh. just going to say, did you think Wilder would go on to? This is a stupid question, really, because everyone always asks it. But did you think Wilder would go on to have the success that he's had my, in the management game? My thing with um, with Wilder was. On the grass, on on the on the, the the training pitch, he's the best manager I've had. His tactical understanding, his knowledge, and I'm not surprised that he's got this new three-five-two thing. I know it's not working at the minute, but it worked last season. I'm not surprised yeah. at that because on the grass, his understanding of the game of football is second to none. It's it's really really high class, but how he dealt with players and how he dealt with scenarios and situations and actually man-managed people was really poor. Um, and, he, and again, that, that's something that I think he's had to learn a lot over, the, over his time as a manager. Um, so as, as a manager, uh, for me, it was one of those where, I, yeah, I thought he would go on to have a, a good managerial career because he was so good on the grass. But it's that man-management side that I always thought he, he didn't quite get hold of. Did he have any particular? Have you have you boys ever listened to the um, the Peter Crouch podcast where they talk about parched? No, yeah. I've not. So that they say like Peter Crouch will often. He basically said there's a player who is parched because whenever there was a drinks break, break there was always a player that would go and just hang around with the coaching staff. Did did Chris Wilder ever have any um, of those types of players or any favourites? Um, you'd say if you were in his starting eleven. You were his favourite, and you you got. So when I was down on loan, I, I got I got some some good treatment. You know, you, and you knew you were liked, and you knew that you could make a few mistakes, and you wouldn't you wouldn't be left out. Um, but when you're out of <laughs> when you're out of the squad, um, it's really difficult that you're kind of finished, um, and and you're not you're not going to get back into God. it. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't think I'm trying to think of any actual favourites. I mean, Jake Wright was always a favourite of his. Uh, when he brought him in, but I wasn't I wasn't around a lot of Jake Wright's time. I think I was only there for sort of six months. Um, uh, or, no, was it eighteen months um, with Jake? And, and Jake Jake was his sort of go to. He made him the captain, you know, because he, he fell out with Bino and different things like that. Um, and and it's you know that was it was yeah he had he had relationships with players, but I wouldn't say any of them were was it parched. I wouldn't say, <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't put any saying oh yeah like he's going to get uh, favoritism because it, it did change. There was players at certain times that he he favoured over, it, over others. 
it is interesting like because you're such you're obviously so vocal and you have so many good opinions when it comes to the media coverage that we've got these days where, where did that where was that kind of born from like were you like that as a player because it must have been frustrating as you're kind of sitting on the sidelines watching things play out where you're kind of going that's not right we're making too many mistakes i could be in there doing this and obviously you've got a lot of kind of forthright opinions on how things could be done but is it did that kind of develop over time as you've got to the back end, you know the back end of your 20s or were you always more of a vocal person in the dressing room? Or? Yeah, I mean, uh, I ended up the captain of Kettering um, at 20, 25, I think I ended up the captain there, and I was a captain for, for about three seasons. And it, for me, if I'm being absolutely brutally honest, I've always preferred that side of the game, the, the, the tactical understanding slash coaching side. Um, of the game. That's why I, I pretty much just stopped playing it 27, 28, um, because <laughs> yeah. I much preferred coaching. I much preferred the, the sort of development, the, the understanding of it. And football's hard, like, you know, <laughs> fitness-wise and, and staying in top shape and all that kind of stuff, it's really difficult. Um, and, and that was probably my biggest downfall, to be honest. I, 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 never, I never worked hard enough in the gym. I never, I never worked hard enough on my fitness and had I done that, I'd have probably had a better career because I, I did. I did understand the game. I knew the game well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think always through my twenties, uh, I knew I started my coaching badges early twenties because I always knew that the coaching side and that was probably where I wanted to end up and what I wanted to do. Um, and I ended up being Corby Town manager at twenty eight um, because that, that that was the pathway that I, I, I sort of wanted to wanted to go down. Yeah, I was gonna. I always thought you were just. I'm thirty three, and just by default, I just assumed you were a lot older than me. Oh, everybody, and I'm you're not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you were. It's because you were in there in those positions. Direct when you were director of football and whatever at Corby as well. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, it, it was it, the experience I've had over the last sort of five six years of the different roles I've had, and, and it's been it's been amazing to be honest. It's been it's been really really. Um, you know, an insight to the game, uh, and I'm only I'm only 31, so you know I've had loads of different experiences about um, how the how the game's played, how it works, how I understand it, and 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 now my biggest thing is I'm 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 still reading the game and looking at games and trying to understand different things. Why why are people doing that? You know, why is managers trying that? And and it's it's, it's a fascinating. I, I love football. I've, I've been lucky enough to to call football my job, my my whole career, my whole life, and and. It's it's I love it you know it's and, and to be able to you know even even when John asked me to come on here I love speaking about football and I, I, you know I love doing these things because it's you get passionate guys sitting down talking about the game and, and everybody's got different opinions and different ways of watching it and it's it's, it's brilliant you know I just I, I think it's I think it's great class um, back to more ridiculous questions. Who else scored the goals? <laughs> the goal, basically, when you scored against Crawley, do you remember who got the other two goals in that game? Chapman. This is more quizzy. Chapman free kick. That's right. Yeah, drilled edge of the box. Was it Medicine? That's right. Look at that. You've watched that on YouTube, haven't you? Many times. <laughs> I watched. Um, I watched it. It's on loop every night. <laughs> <laughs> um, before I forget, Aaron Woodley. You were in the squad when he was around, and he was meant to be the next big thing. And then he just kind of he, just disintegrated. When you think about what we've just spoke about um, with with Chris Wilder and how he managed things, um, and it was really difficult for the young boys to come into that environment. 
And any time Aaron came in, you could see he definitely had something. There was there was a lot there was a lot about him. Um, but as a personality, he just didn't have enough to, to be able to come into that environment with the the players that were there and then the manager on top of that. He just he, he couldn't deal with it um, as a as a personality at seventeen years old, which <laughs> I don't think many people could deal with it. To be honest, with you. That's no. why you you probably don't you didn't see a, a lot of youth players coming through at that time because it, it wasn't that environment. It wasn't an environment where it was a, a development environment for players to come into. It was, it was far too difficult. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, what about most, just on that then, who were the most influential players kind of during that initial spell with us in that promotion season? So when you came in, were there any players you particularly looked to or players that kind of led the dressing room? Um, I mean, Adam Murray led the led the dressing room. Um he was as the, the, the sort of captain, and and he had his little group with with the likes of Billy Turley and and, and people like that. Billy Turley, yeah, um, they were you know they were big characters. Um, but for me, it was I, I, you know I, the, the Mark Crichton I played next to to Crichts, obviously um, as the, the left centre half. So we we built a good relationship there. Um, the the likes of um, James Constable up front, you know, a, a sort of ca- similar character to myself. Um, you know, we we got on we got on well, uh, and then when you go and go and kind of forward into into the next season with the, the likes of Andy Wing, Asa Hall, and things, you know, people like that 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 got on really well with, um, who weren't big characters in the changing room, but there was a there was a same there was a personality um, similarity in there where you know we 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 worked hard, we got on with our jobs, we knew what we wanted from it, and and it, there was that sort of. Um, side of the team, and then you had your sort of bigger characters. You know, he brought in. Um, oh, I can't remember the midfielder now. Um, oh, I can't. Was it McCormack or something in midfield? It was some McLaren. Paul McLaren. Paul McLaren. Yeah, he had him. Uh, that's right. It, it was. There was. A, I can't remember. I can see the guy's face, but I can't remember what his name was. Paul McLaren came in again. I liked. I liked um, Maka. He was. A, he was a good player. Um, Heslop. No, that wasn't Heslop. It, it was an older guy. He was about 35, 36. Uh, Hargreaves? No. Nah. Paul Watton? <laughs> Watton. That's the one. Well done. Who was that? That <laughs> was me. I've checked. I, I cheated on that. I've got the squad up. <laughs> Watton, you brought him in and he changed the dynamic a little bit because he was he was more of a Chris Wilder personality who was just after people. And, you know, a lot of us sort of similar characters were a bit like, oh, all right, okay. You know, he was digging people out on the pitch. He was He was digging people out in the changing room and things and it was different. You know, and so there was there was sort of two sides of the dressing room at that point, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was it's fascinating. It was a really it was a really big personality squad, and there was all different sorts of ways of doing that. Can I Wasn't ask, um, Simon Clist? Like, yeah, Clisty, the he, most intelligent football player. That's what, yeah, that's really interesting because he seems like one of those players that everyone would have loved because he was so consistent and sort of seven out of ten minimum. But so go on, he was the he was the cleverest in the dressing room, is it so? Yeah, to say? he'd be even he would be reading the, the evening times while you're <laughs> reading the sun. You know, that was that was your sort of uh, level. Yeah, he would he'd be sitting in the bus him and um Ben Perkis when when he was in as well. Um Jack Midson was sort of in that, you know, that was that that sort of group where they were you're not you're not your typical football players. Um, you know, more more sort of mindful of what was going on round about the place and what was happening. Um, but again, yeah, really, really good guys. That's why I look at that quite a lot now. You know, if you look at the squad that we have now, who are the who are the players reading the evening standard, as it were? Yeah. And thinking <laughs> reflecting like mindfully on what we need to be doing or 
when you reference Wooten and yeah, Chris Hargreaves, I mentioned him there. When you reference like just an older person in the squad, I was like, ah, Hargreaves. But he was brought in just to be that voice in the in the dressing room to get us over the line. And it's like it feels like that's something that's massively lacking at the moment. You've got Moose, who we know is very capable when it comes to talking the talk and stuff, but it's just a gap that we've got at the moment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I totally agree. And that's that's the biggest difference. You're never going to get promoted with the squad we've got. You're never going to win something. You might you might get through a playoff maybe, but with the squad we've got just now, you're never going to win a league because you don't have enough big characters who've been there, seen it, done it, and you've not got enough sort of oomph. I don't know if that makes sense, but enough sort of yeah, oomph absolutely. in the changing yeah. room, you know, where, yeah, you know, you, I remember playing a couple of times and, and, and wouldn't turn around to me and going, what are you doing? You know, like, get your finger out. I mean, the first time I ever experienced that was when I was 16 playing for Rangers Reserves, and I was, uh, I was playing at left back, and we got a free kick in the middle of the park uh, nothing, a nothing free kick, absolutely nothing free kick. Like just a, just a, one of those general free kicks uh, taken quickly by Barry Ferguson, and he played it, he played it into the, the, whoever was playing up front, and he turned around to me and he's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "What? <laughs> Make a move, move down the left hand side." I'm going, but you got on the ball and you took it and you played it. He says, "Aye, but if you're moving and you go down the left hand side, I'll find you. Don't worry about anything else." And I'm kind of going. All right, okay, yeah, no problem. <laughs> you know, and, and that was the kind of that's the characters. If you're going to go and win things, you need those kind of characters in a in a changing room. Yeah, I didn't actually um, praise the guy earlier, but whilst I I gave Sam Long a bit of of a critique earlier on about being an average right back playing centre back, I saw at Fleetwood he was vocal and he was absolutely shouting. And covering, he was kind of running all over the back line to try and cover other people as well. Um, I should, I yeah. just, it's just because I always dig the guy out and I don't yeah. give him very much praise, Sam, but I was quite impressed with him. Sam's a good player again. Sam was one of the young boys kind of coming through, um, a little bit younger, uh, and, and he was he was kind of coming through at the, the time that I was in there, and he, so I know him quite well. And, and he, he has, you are right about how you described him. He's one of those players that he could play in any team, but he'll just play the same. You know he's never he's never going to sort of change how he plays or what he's he's a warrior he's a tackler he's a you know he is he's a he's a sort of six out of ten sort of player that you know you're never going to get the eights or nines but you're never going to get a two or three and it doesn't really matter what what league he's playing in that's just what you're going to get from him and I'd love to see him stand up a little bit more at what maybe twenty five now and and be that sort of character that's yeah. going to start leading a bit more that that for me that would be brilliant I don't know if he can do that um, but. I met him, he was, at a, he was playing in a reserve game about 13, 14 months ago for Oxford against Kettering, and I met him at the tunnel, I says, what are you doing here? And he just he just walked by me going, Stevie, don't, just don't, and he just <laughs> walking down the tunnel, and absolutely fair play to him, about four months later, he's made it, yeah. he, he got back into it, and, he, and he was, he'd been playing since, so, you know, that's the kind of character he is. Um, on to a serious question. Billy Turley, we mentioned him earlier. Was he the type of character that would be just picking up a Lynx can and using it as a microphone and singing in the the dresser room, as we all want it want him to be? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, he was. He was. He was two things. Um, he was that person that you know shied away from absolutely nothing. Um, if the mood in the camp was down, he'd be one that could easily pick it up. But believe it or not. There was a lot of sense in there, and he could sit down and players <laughs> and sort of an arm round and kind of 
and, and when he does it, you kind of go, what? Are you being serious? And he was that sort of player that you could actually have a serious, real serious, deep conversation with as well, that, you know, if you were struggling with anything or that, that you could you could speak to him. Who was, um, who was a terrible trainer at the time, but could just turn it on when they needed to? Oh, Adam Chapman was terrible. He was <laughs> his training. He just didn't. He didn't even want to be on the training field. Um, who else was? I'm t- surprised Chapman didn't make it. That was actually the next question. Oh, was Carrick. was there anyone in particular that you saw at that time, like your time over at Oxford, that you thought the right they're going to absolutely smash? They'll be in the Premier League. Um, well, Chapman just his, his personality, football ability was magnificent, but his personality and character just. He just couldn't. He, he was too immature, probably is how you would, you would yeah. describe it, to to move up the the league, um, the the sort of rankings of of the the leagues. Um, oh, who who who? I'm trying to think now. You've you've put me on the spot with that. <laughs> um, wait, wait. I'm trying to think who we we. I was trying to think who I thought at the time. But there's that again. There's that many players. Wasn't that there? Yeah, squad. Where we really we were a, we were a we were a hard to like hard to beat sort of uh, kind of growly squad rather than a squad of talent if that sort of makes sense we weren't you know there wasn't anybody that you sort of thought yeah like you know they're they're going to they're going to sort of light the light the room and fire every time they go yeah. i'm trying to think like matt green maybe could have been one given he might have been quite young yeah. maybe francis green <laughs> franny green <laughs> i'm trying to think about players that we had at that time what about Alex- someone, someone like sam Deering? Because he, ah, he, was, he came through with a bit of hope as well, he, being the kind of Oxford boy connection. Too small. Uh, yeah. He, he, you know, he was too small. He was a nice football player, but again, his, his, his game intelligence wasn't high enough to be a small player and make it. You know, you need to be really, really sharp up top if you're going to, if you're going to be a small player and make it. Um, Alfie only started 12 games that season as well, and I thought he would have... Um been a bigger part yeah Alfie, Alfie Potter was a fantastic player I really like really like the way Alfie played and, and he's probably one that, that, that maybe could have gone and pushed a little bit more but again like you said he never got that consistency really under Wilder that, that he was allowed to go and express himself um, and you even think about Matt Green he never got the game time either like he got he got some regularity but never got the goals and then his confidence was shot it wasn't until he went to Mansfield uh, yeah he smashed he it goals, didn't he um, and, and then moved forward obviously to Birmingham so there was, to be honest with you, it was really, it was a really tough. You know, you had to be mentally strong. You probably couldn't be a young, talented player coming through, like I said earlier, because you had to have so much about you to be able to to go into the changing room and with that manager. Who was um, the biggest nutter? <laughs> I think uh, I think Adam Murray was. I think he was. He was off his head. Um, you know, there wasn't there wasn't much that I seen from him, but some of the stories he would tell. I mean, <laughs> goodness gracious, you you, you know, you kind of you're sitting there with your jaw hitting the floor, kind of thing. At some of the things that he, he used to say when he was back in his derby days, and he was very unpredictable. Um, you didn't you didn't really know what was coming next. Uh, Isn't he still at? Um, he's still in. The, he was at Barnsley, wasn't he? And he he got he, he was managing them for a little bit of time. Um, he he was one of the reasons why I got back into following Oxford so closely because he, he stood out yeah. so much on the pitch for his vision. He just he was completely different to anyone we had when we were in the conference trying to get back up. Yeah, totally agree. He was he was a fantastic player, um, but he was like it's just his character. He was he was 
you didn't know what was coming next. You really, honestly, you couldn't read them. You just did not know what was going to come next from him. Um, but on the pitch, you're absolutely right. He's what, what, what a really, really good player he was. Yeah. Nice. I'm hogging the questions here, lads. Has anyone else got any questions before I, before I wrap things up? My uh, only one, Stevie, and it, there, might, there might be a reason for it. I'm just intrigued by your uh, middle name being Steel. <laughs> yep, that was um, my grandparents' name. So my gran and grand are Steel. Um, so it was my mum's maiden name. Uh, and that's that's pretty much all there is behind it, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair enough. It just looks a good one when you're going through players' names. You've got Stephen Steele Kinnebra. Sounds sounds good. Strong, yeah. Strong. Yeah, I had Solid. I had to I had to play like that. I had to had to kick a few players. Um that was that was actually a couple of ones that, that, that stood out as well. Um I got sent off twice, didn't I? Um that's why I only ended up playing a bit. Kidderminster, yeah. Um Wrexham, no Wrexham in York. No, you got you definitely got sent off in a three one at Kidderminster because I was there. And I was very angry with you. We, we'd already lost the game, absolutely, by that point. It was a penalty. I swear it was a penalty. Yeah, and then we had the kick cap. Nah, I was away at York. I think we drew one all in the season you were playing. Um, Cliss scored, and he never scored away from home. I'm, I'm turning into Jack with my weird knowledge of Oxford. Here. I was going to say, soccer base reckons you got booked at York in that game. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe you did something worthy of a red card, but got away with it. I, did, was it in the tunnel, Steve? I have always <laughs> thought I get sent off at York. Was it Kidderminster? Yeah, it was definitely Kidderminster. Yeah, we lost three one. I remember getting beat three one, but I thought it was I thought it was York. So oh well, there we go. Uh, I'll, I'll take that one. I, I was disappointed myself that day. That was I had an absolute shocker. I remember, like I, I've got the stadiums mixed up, but I, I definitely had a shocker. Maybe I had a shocker at both. <laughs> just just on the. The football then. So you mentioned the coaching side. What What's your involvement in... So you're obviously at Kettering. You went into kind of coaching at that point in time. Uh, Corby Town as well. And then there was reference... I have to say, Stevie, I went on your LinkedIn profile. Yeah. Um, you re- <laughs> there, was, there was reference to Cambridge United at that point in time. Like, what, yeah. What's your involvement still in the in the game? So when I, when I went into coaching, um, when, I came out the, when I came out the game, actually, when I well, can I go from, from there, as long as you've got the, the time, you can just crop it if you want. But uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, we, when I came out, I, I came out, obviously, I, I left in the January of 2012 um, and I signed, I signed for Telford um, after, after a few weeks. And I played there in the conference till well, I played about three or four games, but again I hadn't played much, so I ended up playing against Jamie Vardy when he was at Fleetwood, and uh, I didn't have a, I didn't have the best game. Um, so I, I played, I played a few games there, got injured, I hadn't, I hadn't played much, and then just seen the season out. Um, and then I had a few offers to to go and play, stay in the pro game, and but I had to move, relocate, and stuff. And I thought, no, do you know what? I'm, I, I can't be bothered with all this nonsense. I'm just going to start uh, play semi pro and um, just start my coaching badges. So done a done a season at uh, Bedford Town and then moved to Kettering Town um, 2013, yeah, 2013 that was, um, and made made the captain there. And then in 2014, the chairman owner of the football club said, because they obviously through all their their difficulties, didn't they, with the the finance? Yeah. So 2013 was when they nearly went pop. And um, I was I was playing in what they thought was going to be the last game, um, but well, gladly they didn't. And then 2014 was a restructure, 
and they asked me to be the, the academy manager, the academy director of the, the, the football club, as well as being the first team captain. So I, I was like, all right, okay, yeah, let's let's get this coaching malarkey started then. Um, and is that like a part-time thing or is that a full-time That was, that was full-time. Um, that was that was doing so. It's a, a scholarship programme that you, you work uh, in with either a school or a college for kids that are between 16 and 19. So that's, yeah. that's still the programme I'm, I'm involved in now. Um, but I started all that up, all the all the, the grassroots teams from from uh, sevens all the way through, and, and you know it was a lot of hard work, uh, as well as the playing side of it. And then we got promoted, and and, and we played a season there. And then I just decided that I was going to concentrate. I went to be the assistant manager of the first team with Marcus Law as a manager, and I, I just um, concentrated more on the the coaching the academy and trying to get some players through. Um, but at the same time, the the owner of Kettering started up a, a, a international. Uh, Future Lions um, company, which was starting a team out in China. So I spent a year, out of a year, I spent about maybe four or five months out in China, uh, setting up a coaching a coaching company out in China, and a oh, whole wow. team out there. So everything was done through translators. Um, that was an experience. That was, I tell you, that was that was something. That was something else. Um, <laughs> What's the general standard was that, it was... like in in China? Yeah. I mean, because you hear all these mixed reports. I'm, I guess I'm more referring to the kind of Premier League equivalent. But is there a base of talent, or is it still five, ten years away? Uh, it's, it'll always be five, ten years away. Yeah. We'll be talking five years, and it'll still be ten years away because the the way the country's set up is just weird. That that it, because it's so big as well. Yeah. Uh, just there's just no chance that they'll ever they'll ever they'll get they'll, because of the. The, the ratio of people to how many footballers, there will eventually become some decent football players, but they're never going to win anything as a, as a national side. Um, one, because, well, there's, there's a quiz question for any of you. What's the biggest sport in China? Lacrosse. Nope. I have no idea. Bas- uh, table. table tennis. Said that. Basketball. Yeah. Basketball, right, is the number one. Then what do you think it is? Rugby. <laughs> I have no idea. Ice hockey. Ping pong. I said. I said that. I said that. I'm going back. Yeah, so yeah, those are, those two are huge, and then you've got athletics, um, you've got gymnastics, um, and then football somewhere in that sort of fourth, fifth. So it's not a it's not a main sport over there either. So it's, it was really difficult to to get in. There's basketball courts everywhere. No football goals anywhere uh, where the the city that we were in. Um, so yeah, set that up out there, and, and then was back and forth, and then I decided it was way too much. I had a young family, just starting a young family. Yeah. So Corby, Corby wanted me to go in there, uh, and after about four months, they sacked their manager and, and offered me the manager's job. Uh, so I went in there as a director of football, um, to again looking over basically the whole football and uh, everything at the, the club from the, the youth academy. Um, what level are Corby at? They are step four uh, of non-league. So what's that? Seventh, seventh, seventh of English, seventh or eighth yeah, of yeah. English football, um, and good club again, another good club, good, good pitch, fantastic pitch, good facilities, stadiums decent, um, but done two years there, and I went in and had my meeting at the end of the season where we we get beaten the playoff final um, in extra time, um, and and I went in and says, look, this is what we need to do to move forward, and they just they, 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 the club didn't didn't go in the same pathway. They didn't want to, to move the club in the same way as I thought it had to go. Um, so I yeah. just said, look, there's no point in me continuing on doing this because it's not it's not going to end well. Let's just end it, you know, as it is, you know, fairly, 
fairly kind of on decent terms, um, and then went back into the sort of future lines catering thing, and now I I am the the sort of under 18s manager at catering, so I'm more focused on the coaching rather than the admin side. Um, I was coaching at Cambridge United as well, where they're under 14s, under 15s, but uh, stopped that just this season to concentrate more on my, my under 18s job. Um, where we've got the full-time kids in. Uh, we went and got players who've been released from the likes of Oxford, Milton Keynes, uh, Luton, um, Peterborough, and we brought them together, and we've, we've got a decent little team there. So yeah, we're, nice. just, we're just developing that now and, and, and hoping that we can try and get some players through to the, the Conference North and, and, and try and support the first team. Cool. Uh, have you been living in the same place this whole time as well? No, I was Banbury. Since you moved I was on. Banbury, um, just next to the train station. Uh, if you know Banbury at all. I yeah, yeah. The, when we first moved down, we bought a flat. <laughs> and do you know how we bought it? We were driving. So, obviously, we drove into Oxford uh, to sign. And uh, me and my, well, my girlfriend, now wife, so me and my wife now, we're driving back up the M40. And we're thinking, oh, Banbury's, it's on the M40. It's it's fairly close to, to Oxford, but it's quite close to, to uh, north for going home. So <laughs> let's go in here. So we drove in and we drove through it and we seen uh, this this new estate. So we, we parked up and we went in and spoke to the guy um, and was like, all right, he took his round, showed us uh, one of the ones that was left. And we were like, yeah, okay, I think we'll have it. We'll, we'll get in touch with you. Went in the car, drove back up to Scotland, and was phoned them. I was like, yeah, okay, we'll put the deposit down. We'll buy that one. <laughs> wow, opportunity. Um, so, yeah, we, that, we, so we lived in Banbury. We sold that uh, four years ago and moved. I'm now over Northampton, uh, Northamptonshire, just um, between Kettering and Corby. Um, hence why nice. I'm in this, this neck of the woods with those football clubs. So, yeah, cool. that, we can add we can add that to our chat about where Simon Eastwood lives, and how he's advertising his properties. Ah. That's been a that's been a topic on the is pod. It? Yeah, well, that <laughs> I know Eastie well, and he is he's a homer. He likes to go home as much as he possibly can. So that that will be if if it's on if it's on routes back up to, to Huddersfield, um, then that'll be that'll be why that'll be why it is. Stevie, just a really quick one about your sort of as you've been managing teams and such. What is your preferred way of of playing? What's your you know, your preferred formation? How do you look to try to get teams to, to play? What's the Stevie Kinnebrew way, I suppose? 4-2-3-1 four, four, um, with my two two midfielders. I like one of them to be a sort of destroyer, one of them to be a sort of decent on the ball so I can, can play uh, with my number 10, who is uh, basically a second striker, two out-and-out wingers, who like to like to get at people, and that's my front four with that sort of extra midfielder going in to, to, to um, help as a sort of supporting player. Two fullbacks as supporting fullbacks, so they can get up and down, um, but but prefer them that they can defend before they can attack. Uh, and two decent uh, centre halves that can head it, kick it, win it, rumble, grumble, make sure that they can they, they keep a clean sheet. Um, and that that's sort of how I've, I've I've came around what I what I do. Um, I like to I like to go and press nice and high, uh, but there is times and in, in how I analyse myself and how you maybe look at a plan B and something that I am going to try uh, over the next few weeks is hitting on the counter attack. Yeah. So being really really deep and looking at how we can then go and press from there or how we can go and counter attack from there. So yeah, just that's my general and that's how I sort of and, and play from there. 
Yeah, no, that's really interesting. A bit of a formations nerd at times. So um, it's interesting you talk about the holding midfield as it just seems to be a position that's so key in the modern game, whereas maybe 10 years ago it was just have two in midfield and one's generally a bit defensive and one's less so. It's amazing how it's just such a pivotal role now. Yeah, yeah, massive. I think it's because so many people play three in there now that if you play two, you're outnumbered. Yeah. And I think that's probably where it's where it's came from. I still like the idea of the destroyer. Like, I still want the destroyer to turn up at, at Oxford. Yeah, you need I'm waiting for that moment. You, you need a destroyer in your team. That you, you need that person, and that's that's what I call them. You know, the boy that's in there for me, uh, with with my current under 18s he's he's 100 not the best player, and and he would tell you that. But he's the one that he's unpredictable, and he'll go kick people. And you need that. I had it when I was at Corby. <laughs> you, you need somebody. In fact, the boy I had at Corby, he's now at Kettering. I, I got him over to, to to sign for Kettering. He's, he's a cracking player. Um, but he, he just—I think he picked up. Um, he, he basically got suspended for twelve games um, <laughs> in, in the season that we got to the playoffs because, well, that was his job. But you know, there is there is a toe in the line where you've got to kind of go, well, hold on a minute. You know, you've got to, you've got to um, hold it back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, we've got Gorin, but it's just, it's, there's still an absolute, since like Maguire, I can't think of the last player that has connected that much with the fans because of their sheer ability to just grind stuff out, grind the performances out, piss off the other teams, troll them, whatever else. Yeah. That, that's the well, thing. Well, I played with him at Scotland under 19s, um, Chris Maguire. He was, he was, he was at Aberdeen growing up. Um, and obviously I was at I was at Rangers, so played against him. Um, and yep, he's always been that player. And then played with him at, with Scotland, and he was still that player. Even when you were playing with him, you were like, any chance? Like just going to going to calm down a little bit. Yeah. He was just at the top wind up merchant. Didn't um, Steve? You played? Must have played a little bit with Steve McLean or McLean, yeah, yeah, however yeah, you meant to yeah. say it. Was it him that stood on the ball yeah. away at Torquay? That picture. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was him. Yeah, um, he was older. He was, I think he was maybe four years older than me at Rangers, so I never really knew much of him from our days up there. But it got on really well with him and Peter Leaven. Uh, scored from the half. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. Um, of course. Yeah, it got yeah. on really well with both of them uh, when we were when we were at Oxford together. Nice. Um, just going on to the media side of things, then. How did all of that come about? Because you obviously. You played with us for a, for a while. You kind of stayed in and around the area, not too not too far away. But how how did that all come around? I phoned up Chris Williams about eighteen months ago and said, "I fancy coming to a game. Uh, we were playing Charlton at home. Um, left back last two seasons ago. Uh, Everton on loan from Everton. Kenny, uh, John Joe Kenny, yeah, nah." He was right yeah. back, wasn't Garbett. he? Garbutt. Oh, only Garbutt, sorry. Garbutt scored the free kick. Um, 2-1, 2-1, Oxford won. So I, I phoned, I phoned up, uh, Chris up and says, can I come to the game? So he was like, yeah, absolutely, because I got on really well with Chris. He's a, a great guy. And he's, there's a lot of guys like him around about the club that, that make it a really nice football club um, and a good club to be around. Um, so I was, was, went to, the, went to the, the game and obviously Jerome and the guys were there and, and, and they says, oh, do you want to come on and do a little bit of half-time? I was like, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so they, they, they said to me, right, and I went on done about half time, and they said, right, on the down low, uh, Oxford are playing Rangers um, in pre season up in Ibrooks. Do you want to come up and you know and do a little bit with us? Because you played for both. I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. That'd be brilliant. So I was buzzing off that, to be honest. 
yeah, yeah. Then about a week before the game, uh, Rangers, uh, the Rangers fell out with uh, the BBC, BBC Scotland. So no BBC correspondents were allowed in the ground. So they were like, <laughs> "We're not. We can't go. Like we're, we're not going." And I was like, "Yeah, oh, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm gutted." Uh, I says, "Can I come into another game?" And they're like, "Yeah. Well, we've got like Sully Hall Moors." So I was like, "Yeah, absolutely. Let me. I, I want to come and do it." So went along to the Sully Hall game. Um, last pre-season and done a little bit on there you know the co-coms and yeah just just went from there then then they asked me back I'd done about 10 games last year something like that on the, the... yeah yeah uh, and then this year they, they just kind of i done the Wembley stuff um, like the pre-match half-time after-match stuff um, and then then done uh, this season they've kind of says no we want to we want to get you involved as much as possible so like we've got this show that we're going to try and get started and, and I think it's went down fairly well so yeah, I think that's 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 kind of where it where it where it came from and how it happened. You hosted one of those um, or one or two of those shows as well, didn't yes, you? Yes, yes, I've hosted a couple. I'm going to be hosting a few more um, as it goes along. So, yeah, it's it's great experience. Like it's it's something that 18 months ago I didn't even see myself sort of doing, uh, and now here I am sitting, you know, on on a podcast here for, for an Oxford United podcast that. Is you know it's brilliant. I, I I absolutely love the journey that I'm on at the minute to to see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's fair to say. I'm sure I speak on behalf of the other guys as well that it's refreshing in general how you kind of provide that additional insight into how the team's set up and that extra bit of critique. You're not afraid to kind of call it how it is. And whilst I love I love Rosie to bits, but Rosie's always got that little bit of a connection with the. The squad and the players so I always feel he's holding back a little bit yeah. um, on his kind of criticism whereas it's not that you just dig people out for the sake of it but, but you you kind of it, it's good to hear like that side of it in the commentary as well so I think it that I think that's why you've stood out in the time you've been doing it it's, it's been no I'm, I'm, I'm glad because you know I, I like getting feedback from it and I say that Jerome as well about because like I am just learning the ropes on that sort of side of the the, the, the game that side of sort of the the, the media and I, I I like to try and just uh, the old catchphrase one can I uh, say what I see you know just trying to and and I understand that a lot of people who are watching or listening to the the games don't like they haven't played the game to a higher level or they don't understand maybe what's going through a manager's mind or a player's mind so I'm trying to think of you know what what are people expecting to to hear and what can I add that I've experienced so yeah just just trying to sort of look at it from different angles to to see if I can you know add a little bit more than 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 sort of your your sort of normal Joe blogs it's um it's always brilliant when you there's a little bit of an insight, like you talk about the defensive line, you know, talking about we're, we're Oxford are out of shape of a certain position, because that's the something that Jerome and Nathan can't necessarily pick up on because they're more sort of focused on the ball, not not doing them any disservice. But it's that, how do you kind of step away from the game and give us some insights that we can't necessarily pick up on because we're watching from afar or, or whatever. And, and I'd echo what James says about, you know, the watching the game show. I've been on a few times with yourself and it's, it's a very easy vibe and it's nice to have you sort of chundering in with some sort of, um, you know, strong comments and then I can kind of feed off that and as can other people on the show. So I think it's just going from strength to strength. No, I mean- yeah, and I, you can't help, like, I honestly think with Jerome, Nathan and Nick, you can't have many better kind of local 
commentary team you're like they, they are like yeah. national quality but at a local level so i think you know it's great for you to be in in that loop of people and learn from them so it must be it must be awesome for yourself uh, it is it's, a, it's brilliant I, I, I honestly i feel really quite lucky to have sort of landed in that sort of spot because i can imagine there's there's a lot of people that you know are, are, are trying to get to that stage within their career of within the media and, and things like that and you know, I've, I've I've sort of landed in it, and don't get me wrong, I've had to be I've had to be fairly decent at it to, to continue doing it. But you know, it's, it's something that I probably, like I said, I probably didn't see myself doing um, eighteen months ago. But as it's as it's got stronger, I've I've sort of stepped up more away from the first team sort of stuff that I've been doing on a Saturday afternoon because I enjoy doing this, and, and Jerome's very open with it and says like, you know, obviously if you get something, you, you go and do that, but. I, I, I'm not looking at trying to get back into first team level because from what I'm what I'm doing at the minute, I'm I'm really enjoying it. So it's it's one of those where it's 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 another pathway that I, I probably didn't think I would go down, but here I am. Yeah, nice. Um, right, we're nearly on two hours. <laughs> Sorry for taking so much of your time, Steve. Connor's even had to just dip out because he's just had other shit to do. <laughs> there you go. Um, what what do you reckon for the Rochdale game on Tuesday? If you had to put a prediction, I in? honestly think we'll win. I, I I really do. I think we'll not keep a clean sheet. Uh, they'll definitely <laughs> get at least one. Um, but I do think that there, there, there's enough in that squad, isn't there? There's enough in that squad. The the quality is there, um, and I, I I really hope we can get an early goal, a goal in the first sort of ten fifteen minutes, and I think yeah. it could be a three four one. I really, I can see that coming. I can see somebody being on a bit of a, a hiding uh, from us uh, really soon, and I, I do hope it comes on Tuesday night. So I'm going to, I'm going to predict. I'm going to go with a an early goal and then a a four one. I like it, Jack. What are you saying? I'm probably not quite that confident, <laughs> but um, I'd, I'd I'd agree. I'd agree that an early goal is crucial, um, just for our own confidence sakes, and not you know. I think we are going to concede. We've talked about the pitfalls. Um, probably an, an edgy 2-1 with an early goal and a late winner, which would be very nice. Okay. And and finally, John, well, are you feeling confident? I think they've scored in their last four games, Rochdale. Do you see that stopping? Yeah, I think we're all on board with the um, clean sheets. It'll be a, <laughs> a thing of the past for a while. Um, yeah, I could, see us, I could see us winning. I, th- I think we will. I believe Rochdale, a coach... Brian Barry Murphy. I think he likes to try and play football as well, so that can certainly play into our hands. Um, so I think we can get a three-one out of this. There's no one in the Rochdale squad just skimming through it now that particularly scares me. So yeah, it can be done, but we just got to, as Stevie said, a nice early goal, and we probably click as we've been waiting to to do for a long while. Cool. Right, uh, Stevie, I can't thank you enough for that. That's two hours of your time. Um, but really fascinating. That went extremely quickly for me. I, I'm guessing it did for the other guys yeah, as well. Could have done I... two more hours. It's, <laughs> yeah. As you say, it's just great to chat football and also just to have this last hour or so talking fun, reminiscing stuff away from the current <laughs> the current team's performance. Yeah. Um, and hopefully we can get you back on in the future on the back of a very positive season, but we'll have to we'll have to see. Yes, we will. After we've made the playoffs, um, we'll get on before we get to the playoff final and we'll get our predictions in. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Right. Um, as always, thanks everyone for listening. We'll probably be back on um, on the back of the Rochdale and Peterborough games. <clears throat> the Peterborough game being the cup match. And uh, But yeah, so we'll catch you soon. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.